This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week 10 Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison, joining me on this lovely Sunday evening, MB Fantasy Life Prodigy, Director of Analytics, I think. Like, you got some sick titles over there, Dwayne. But yeah, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane, what's going on, man? Yeah, man, sick titles, mostly just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, having fun, getting to watch football, getting to look at football data, you know, doing what we normally do, Ian. Just watching ball, just watching ball, Dwayne. That's all it is, and that's all we did today. Long one, had the 9.30 a.m. Munich kickoff, and we just finished that Chargers 49ers game that, eh, you know, it was a football game. We've seen a lot of them over the years, of course. But with all that said, let's get right into things, everyone. Going through each and every game, plenty of utilization beyond the box score, and just general fancy football goodness along the way. So starting off with that Germany banger, Dwayne. We had the Buccaneers take down the Seahawks 21-16. to covering as two and a half point favorites in the game total cash at the under 45 point mark. So I felt like this was similar to the last uh, European international game, Dwayne, where we had Russell Wilson and the Broncos score 21 points and it felt like a breath of fresh air. That's what we got here with Tom Brady and company. We had Chris Goblin's first touchdown of the season. This offense ran for 161 yards. They had not even cleared 75 since week one. Brady's second game all the season with multiple touchdowns. I mean, Julio Jones went out there and scored a touchdown. Mike Evans made a couple big catches, and they had 21 points, Dwayne. So, look, I said a lot of good things there. You know, we got some running back takeaways to talk about, but is this still the ceiling of the Buccaneers offense we're working with? This is just Brady in, you know, the year 2022. We're getting hyped about 258 yards and two touchdowns because wasn't wasn't quite what we were seeing the last few years in Tampa Bay, Dwayne. Yeah, but – Relatively speaking, like who is throwing for 300 yards and three or four touchdowns besides Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? Like the the whole league is down. So, I mean, it's kind of all relative, but that's really what's been made. It's it's made the rushing quarterbacks even more valuable, though, right? <laughs> because if you can come through with the 60, 70 yards on the ground, or if you're Justin Fields, just like go off for like 200 every week. Um, you know, it's just a big difference maker because of how much shell coverage we're seeing. And teams are just saying, we're not going to let you beat us over the top. But um, look. 
they still, you know, today, like in this game, they got ahead. They only dropped back to pass 41% of the time. They were a run-heavy team today. Um, so that's a new gear that we haven't necessarily seen from the Bucks. So I think that in itself is a downgrade for Tom Brady because the thing we've seen with Brady over the last two seasons is it hasn't mattered, right? If they're losing, they're going to throw the ball like any team would. When they're close in a neutral game, they're going to throw the ball a lot. And then even when they would lead, they would throw the ball a lot. So that kind of script seems to be out the window. Fortunately, I guess for Brady owners, the Buccaneers don't lead very much so far this year. So probably still going to see plenty of passing attempts, but it is kind of an out that goes out the window. You know, we talk about outs a lot. And so if they do start to play better, we could just see them want to run the ball more. Now we'll see what happens with Leonard Fournette, you know, with the hip. Like if they're down to just Rashad wide, I don't know how many carries they can give their backs. We'll have to see. That is the big question. Now, the Buccaneers and Seahawks do have week 11 buys, so we're not going to actually see what's going on with Fournette officially for a good, uh, you know, week 10 days or so. But yes, did suffer that hip injury and that allowed Rashad White to end up with 65% of the snaps. 22 carries did not get any pass game opportunities, Dwayne. We did see Keyshawn Vaughn continue to work in just a little bit. And by just a little bit, I mean literally only 7% of the snaps. So again, we'll see what happens after the hip. I don't know how much stock to put in Rashad White getting the start. I mean, couldn't that have been an instance where Leonard Fournette didn't get there apparently until pretty late because the passport issue. So it's one of these things where I agree with the general sentiment that Rashad White, eye test wise, has looked more explosive. But again, you guys heard the rushing yard stat like nobody has been running well in this offense all season. And that includes Rashad White. We're not talking about the Zeke and Pollard or, you know, Montgomery and Khalil Herbert thing where there is a two yards per carry difference between the guys on the ground. I mean, Leonard Fournette rushing this year has outperformed Rashad White and their yards per out and stuff is literally almost identical. So with all that said, Dwayne, the issue for Fournette, and it's not even that big of an issue. We've still seen this guy be a mostly volume-induced RB2, if not even RB1 some weeks. We would need Rashad White to get the 80 90% all the backfield and Fournette to be completely out of the picture. I'm still not convinced that if Fournette is healthy enough to return in week, in week 12, that this is just all of a sudden going to be the Rashad White show. Yeah, my guess is it's still Fournette's backfield. Is That's my guess. I could be wrong. Like Rashad White's a guy that we've loved, and we've told people to carry them on your fantasy roster because this day could come where Fournette is hurt. Um, and if Lenny's out, you know, it's going to be tough to grade, you know, Rashad White as anything less than like a high-end RB2, right? It'll yeah. be really difficult. Even with the Bucs struggling, um, it's still going to be that case. But my guess is as like the best case for Rashad white, if Leonard Fournette is healthy is like, it's still a 50 50 split. But my guess is, and the way this game was looking, once you got past, past that first drive was that it was going to be more of a 60 40. Now Rashad white did look really good in the game. So really anything is possible, but to your point, I don't see Leonard Fournette going away, right? We could see Rashad white get a little bit more work and that could hurt Fournette, but is Rashad white going to get enough work to really make him all of a sudden, you know, an RB one. I, I doubt it. Now, if Fournette is hurt and missing time, then yes, Rashad White very much possibly could be that weekly RB1 option. On the Seahawks side of things, I mean, look, they, didn't, they only had three points going to the fourth quarter in this one. So Dwayne was right when, look, Buccaneers just really didn't need to even put their foot on the gas in the passing game all that much throughout this one. So still got to see Tyler Lockett score another touchdown, three straight games. He's now on pace, 92 receptions, 1,088 yards and nine scores on the year. Not too shabby. DK Metcalf looked good out there, six catches, 71 yards. 
yards. And again, Gino, slow start aside, we still saw a lot of things from Gino that has helped the Seahawks team be six and four after 10 weeks of action. But Dwayne, I thought the most promising thing here, because again, pretty straightforward offense that we have in Seattle, but look at the man that allegedly can't catch going for six receptions and 55 yards. We did have, we did have DJ Dallas out of this one, but come on, Travis Homer is still out there and that did not stop the Seahawks from giving Walker 86% of the snaps. I mean, this is amazing here, Dwayne. This is Dalvin Cook level usage. Like this is, I don't give a shit about the game script anymore usage. Not that it was really holding us back to begin with, but when you look at someone like Damian Pierce, who had a little better usage today, but I think it was last week, like 53% or something in the game that they were trailing. Apparently that's not a thing for Kenneth Walker. And that's pretty awesome for fantasy managers. Yeah, no, it is a good thing. Um, you know, we still had Travis Homer taking most of the long down and distance work, but 76% route participation for Kenneth Walker, Walker. So part of that was the Seahawks, even though they were struggling, were probably staying ahead on down and distance. Like they weren't getting into a ton of third and longs, fourth and long kind of situations, but it is a positive. Like they found a way to keep him involved in a game strip where they trailed, you know, I mean, they trailed pretty much the whole game. And so that's something we haven't necessarily really had to see Kenneth Walker face. And so to see him come up with a 24% target share, 27% targets per route run, I thought was very encouraging. Um, so it's a situation where now we know like there's still at least a floor, right? If he gets in, in a game like this, of course, we would like to see him take the two minute offense. We would like to see him take the long down and distance stuff like that would make us feel even more comfortable, but just singing with the targets like enough, you know, was enough for me anyway. Hey, one more note real quick. You go ahead. We can come back to the Bucks in just a second. I have one more note on them, though. Before yeah, just real quick, three sheeshes in this one. Noah Fant had a nice back shoulder fade. He caught the ball, just couldn't couldn't quite get the second foot in down. So one of those great balls by Gino just would have been a lot cooler if Fant completed the entire catch. Also, TB12 did have an open Julio Jones downfield for what could have been an extra 40 yards under the totals, just couldn't quite make it catchable. And finally, Scotty Miller had a nice 20-yard gain you know, on a, on a pass down the middle, but wide open, did the same thing he did last week, he jumped for a ball they didn't really need to and fell down when he probably could have walked in for a touchdown. So otherwise, Dwayne, the floor is yours. Yeah, no, just the last thing. I know a lot of people were streaming Kate Otten. His route participation drops 29% with Cameron Brait back, who saw 52%. So really neither are usable. That's really just kind of a rotation. But Otten had been pretty solid. you know. And then the last thing, Julio Jones, season high, 71% route participation he had a 23 percent target per route run today that was second behind uh chris godwin on the team he had a 17 percent target share so maybe maybe julio is finally healthy and we'll see a little bit more of him down the stretch russell gage again missing time with the hamstring but he's been dealing with that hamstring literally all season hopefully that the buccaneers can just get healthy and be ready to go starting in week 12 next up we had the dolphins dominantly take down the cleveland browns 39 to 17 easily covering covering as three and a half point favorites the over cash with ease at 49 and a half so two has been awesome let's also Keep in mind that he has been awesome against the Lions, the Bears, and the Browns, who are now the league's second-worst defense in EPA per play, behind the Lions. So, hey, Dolphins are beating the crap out of the opponents that are put in front of them. That's what you, good teams are supposed to do. So I'm not, you know, calling him – I'm not calling bullshit on the guy. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I don't think the best defenses in the league could be slowing down these guys all that much. 
And you know what? You look at the week, and right now Tua has the second highest grade behind only Patrick Mahomes. So I don't have like another point here because there's nothing bad to say about Tua over the past three weeks. It's just like face it a little bit that we've seen him face three objectively pretty bad defenses. And the game before that, we did have the four, uh, you know, dropped interceptions Sunday night football against the Steelers. So anyone going out there and saying, you know, MVP Tua and all that, hey, the dude's won every single game that he has started and finished this year. That's fantastic. He has exceeded the expectations of pretty much everyone out there. Just want to see it a little bit more before we put him in the Mahomes Allen alien sphere. That's all I'm saying. Dwayne, again, we know we're starting to uh, waddle and Tyreek. The big progression here lately has been the emergence of Jeff Wilson, who last week split the backfield. And I kind of thought that would be it. Okay, we got Wilson. We got Mostert. Great. Two good running backs. Give them each half the snaps. Not exactly what happened here. All of a sudden, no injuries needed. Jeff Wilson is the Dolphins RB1. Yeah, and I will say Tua is the one quarterback that is not running that does throw for 300 yards every game, right? So we talked about how there's not very many quarterbacks doing it. Like when you have Tyreek Hill and you've got Jalen Waddle and you have the scheme they're using and Tua's playing really well, like it's worked out really good for him. So, um, and I'm like you, like I don't think Tua is as good as those other quarterbacks, but I still give him credit. Like he's playing really well, like in the scheme that he's in. Style fantasy, points like, don't matter. Yeah, and for and for fantasy, it's great. You know, it's just funny, though, because people will be like, oh, you know, Tyreek's just a better fit for Tua. And you're like, what? What? Come on. Like, let's put let's put Mahomes on a scheme like this. Like, and let's see what happens. But anyway, uh, yeah, Jeff Wilson, man, uh, took over 61 percent of the snap to only 28 percent for Raheem Mostert, 53 percent route participation for Jeff Wilson, 25 percent for Mostert, 52 percent of the rushing attempts, 24 percent for Mostert. And he got all of the short down and distance. Well, I say all uh, 17%. You got to get Salvin Ahmed in there. You know, he got 17%, 83% to Jeff Wilson, 57% of the long down and distance. And the only spot that Mostert slightly edged out Wilson um, was in the two minute offense, 57% versus 43% for Jeff Wilson. Um, But once you got down inside the 10, it was all Jeff Wilson or Alec Ingold were the two main guys out there. Ingold, obviously, the fullback, who got another touchdown today. Good to see Alec Ingold. I think that's his first two touchdowns of his career, both this season. So that's been nice. But, yeah, it looks like Jeff Wilson has taken over. Raheem Mostert still came through. He gave you 18.8 fantasy points in a PPR today. Um, he was pretty active in the passing game. He caught four balls for 23 yards. But – you got to get out from under him. If well, your trade deadline's probably gone in your league because we're going into week eleven. But if it happens to still be open and someone's just looking at fantasy points, like Mostert's a guy you want to try to move on from. Jeff Wilson's definitely the lead guy. If you're stuck with Mostert, it's okay. Like you know, if one of these guys gets hurt, like the other, either one's going to be good. You know, and again, it could be hot hand. We don't know because this coaching staff's shown a, they've shown a you know a history of doing that, but it does, does really seem like over the first two games, like it just happened very fast. It's like Wilson made it an even playing field last week. And this week just took another step forward and he looked really good. Ian. He's had the hot hand. You could argue all season long. I mean, 5.4 yeah. yards per carry at this point, that's eight, that's eighth among 50 qualified running backs. And he happened to break a week high. I believe he tied with uh, someone else actually, but five broken tackles on the ground. Awesome performances from Jeff Wilson. You mentioned Alec Ingold. I pulled up the handy-dandy PFF grades before the show. And so far, the highest-graded player on offense in the entire NFL this week, Alec Ingold, had the reception touchdown and some awesome run blocking along the way. The reception touchdown, Dwayne, was pretty cool. One of those where I'm trying to watch three games at once. So, you know, I think a plays dead. I'm kind of shifting my eyes away. And I scan back, and I'm like, wait, how's that dude celebrating for a touchdown right now? 
found a way to get the ball across the goal line. Only final two notes I got for the Dolphins, just that uh, Tyreek almost had a bigger day, only five catches, 44, y- 44 yards in a score. Just rarely mistimed, you know, one of those downfield passes. So that is one of the wild parts about Tyreek, even in games where they're not hooking up for the deep ball, still finds a way, you know, with that God-given yak ability to make big things happen. Final note is that Tua almost had a short touchdown to Mike Jasicki, was in his hands, got ripped out at the last second, found Tyreek for the touchdown the next play, so it didn't really matter in real life. On the Brown side of things, Dwayne's, again, I've seen Cleveland this year. I think they've largely exceeded expectations on the offensive side of the ball. I, mean, I think this is the seventh-ranked scoring offense going into this week, and with Jacoby Brissett, you take that eight days of the week as a Browns team before the year. I mentioned it before, though, second-worst defense now in the league in EPA per, per play. So Jacoby wasn't a great week, and we haven't seen the counting stats. I mean, one game this season. One freaking game with multiple passing touchdowns. The single game high in passing yards is just 278. So, look, Nick Chubb, ridiculous 33-yard touchdown run. I mean, this dude's ability to accelerate out of, you know, a spin move shouldn't even be legal. Or, I mean, I don't know. It's just really cool. I guess it could be legal if you can pull it off. Kareem Hunt, another disappointing day at the office. But what we did see, Dwayne, is yet another big-time performance from one Donovan Peoples-Jones. Six straight games now with at least 50 yards. The hell, the guy's got 70-plus yards in five of his last six games. Games. I know it was frustrating to see Amari Cooper bust. We had the history against Xavier Howard Cooper owning man heavy teams out there, but the fact DPJ keeps on keeping on, Dwayne, this could be scary once Deshaun Watson comes back and low key, not that much longer. Yeah, no, DPJ's played good. If you look at him over the last three games before this, wide receiver 34, 25, 34. Um, you know, today that was his best performance in the last four weeks was 17.1 points. I mean, I think he kind of is what he is like. He's a secondary tertiary option, um, but in a good offense, like he's showing he can be, he can be nice. He can be a nice player. Like he's someone that's, you know, he definitely belongs in the wide receiver four conversation. Like, I don't think he's good enough to put in the wide receiver three, um, you know, bucket yet, but I mean, I don't know. Like he's doing what he's supposed to do. Like he had 26% target share today. It was good. 48% of the air yards. And yeah, I mean, sometimes even though we have all the data and we do the best we can with it, like variance also just comes in like an Amari just didn't have a big day today. Only a 9% target share. That's one of his, that's probably, I don't have it in front of me. And my guess is that's his worst game of the season. Sometimes we're just freaking wrong Dwayne. but guess what? We, pick ourselves up the floor and we watch the film and we get better. Vikings took down the Bills 33 to 30 out here covering a six and a half point dogs. The overcast at just 46 and a half easily the game of the day. And if you want to say game of the year, hell, I won't disagree with you. And the big star of it was one Justin Jefferson, 10 catches, 193 yards and a touchdown. Unreal one-handed catch downfield. I don't want to be a buzzkill, Dwayne. I didn't think this was like this catch of the century like a lot of people were making it out to be in the moment. Like, it was an incredible catch, but like, come on. Do we have to do this every single time? I thought Diggs' one-handed catch earlier in the same freaking game was arguably better. At least Diggs caught the ball, like, you know, and didn't even need to kind of cradle it. I mean, if anything, I thought the defender almost helped Justin Jefferson come down with it. So now that I'm done trying to critique, you know, an incredible one-handed catch out here, uh, we can just say how awesome of a game it was for Jefferson almost even bigger originally had that go-ahead touchdown at the end called a score they reviewed it and put him down at the half yard line next play they had a wide open Dalvin Cook in the flat 
Kirk threw it behind him and got dropped. No worries, offsides. And then we had quite possibly the worst quarterback sneak attempt in NFL history where Cousins just didn't really move and was kind of just hoping that he'd get pushed across the goal line. Didn't quite work out. But you know what? Josh Allen decided to fumble the ensuing snap, and we just had even more chaos. So, again, what an incredible finish. What an incredible game. And for Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, just to keep on keeping on, I mean, the only unfortunate note from this game, Dwayne, is I can no longer come to you every three weeks and say that Adam Thielen has not gone three weeks without a touchdown, uh, non-injured games, of course, since 2018. That said, I can still say that with four straight games, Dwayne. So I'll continue to adjust that in the future as long <laughs> as we need to go with it. But yeah, just we'll awesome eventually get it right again. Come on eventually get it right so just an awesome performance i mean seeing kirk cousins go for 357 yards that's a season high mark again very close to having multiple touchdowns out there tj hawkinson playing through the pain with another seven receptions it's a really good offense and they give their best players the ball a lot thank you kevin o'connell yeah yeah i mean hawkinson looked good again in his second game 21 percent target share he was again second on the team Last week, he was second to Justin Jefferson. Now, Justin Jefferson's a complete hog at a 33% rate, uh, 51% of the air yards today to Justin Jefferson. But nobody needs, nobody needs me to tell them any of that. I think the big thing for me, Ian, with the Vikings, like the last three to four weeks, man, Dalvin Cook is like not leaving the field ever. I mean, 84% snap rate today, 77% route participation, uh, 100% of the short down and distance work, 100% of the two-minute offense, 89% of the long down and distance. So... Alexander Madison is really like getting a couple of drives a game. That's it. That's all he's getting. Whereas earlier in the season, after Cook had had the injury, it was really, you know, not a rotation, but, you know, it was more like, you know, Dalvin 70, 30, 65, 35, that kind of thing. Um, he's just completely taken over the entire backfield. So, and and, it's, and it is a good offense. It's, it's kind of interesting that Dalvin hasn't had a bigger season based on the offense being pretty good anyway. I think he's really due. I mean, he came up with 23.6 today, but like, I just, I feel like Dalvin is just simmering. I feel like there's like a 35, 40 pointer coming. Like, I just feel like it's on the way. Before some jackass is like, hey, he had an 81 yard touchdown run. So if you take away that, what do you do? This stat almost broke my mind, Dwayne, but what it shows you is just how tough the sledding was against a really good run, Bills run defense. He had 119 rushing yards, 134 rushing yards after contact. So that means this dude was getting hit behind the line more times than not out there. And the fact that he did turn in this sort of game in this sort of horrendous matchup just tells you all you need to know about Dalvin. So someone that I thought earlier in the year, and you, we could look talk about those snap rates. They were a little bit closer to 60-40, 70-30 earlier on the season. But yeah, Dalvin Cook, King Stake kings the guy keeps it going 29 percent uh, of his carries today went for 10 plus yards so yeah. it wasn't just the one big run <laughs> you know so so Got whatever it, jackass man. wants to say something <laughs> like just you know dig a little deeper bro very fair final notes is yeah justin jefferson number one in the nfl in receiving yards since entering the league number two in pff receiving grade and yards per route run only behind Devonte adams Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Most I will say 100 yard games, Ian. What in the first three just, years? Just like keep he passed going. Randy Moss. Just if you say like a big receiving stat about Jefferson, it's probably right. You know, most, yeah, most games with a yards per out run rate ahead of three, also scoring a touchdown. Yeah, you know, like just, I think Randy had 19 in the first three seasons, and Justin Jefferson has 20 already. Fun. And we still have the rest of the season left. I will say so. though. 
One thing I hate about Justin Jefferson, Dwayne, is the fake hamstring celebration. You can't do that, man. I know he was trying to imitate. When I saw it, yeah, I was like, what is this? He was trying to imitate the girl soccer player who had a pretty funny celebration out there. But, yeah, not funny, Justin Jefferson. Fantasy football is out there. We cannot have you doing that. But I'm happy you're okay. Again, as was TJ Hawkinson when he got banged up a little bit. On the Bills side of things, just another game where Josh Allen, you can talk about the ill-advised interceptions. He also lost a fumble out there. And yeah, just another game where would the Bills have been in it without Josh Allen? Probably not. And we see, you know, plenty of examples about how damn good the guy is. But guess what? In fantasy land, none of this really matters, Dwayne, because the guy put up 21.6 fantasy points and another quote unquote down game. So he leads the league in turnover worthy plays with 19, leads the league in interceptions with 10. This Bills offense has not scored a second half touchdown somehow since week six. And it's all good. We still got Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis boomed in this one. The only real interesting thing, well, okay, I guess it was an interesting game. I'm not trying to put it down with that. But from a fantasy perspective, new insights here. The one big thing is this backfield. Week two, having Naeem Hines in there. And, hey, Dwayne, this was actually not the third, the fourth most used running back here because Duke Randy Johnson is back, baby. Big-time kick return. We don't need to talk about the inefficient offense stuff. He had nothing there, you know, on his carries. Bill's really let Duke down when he had the ball in his hands but regardless of you know my duke johnson love affair Dwayne devin singletary 71 percent snaps 13 carries two targets maybe he's just going to keep his three down roll the rest of the season finally scored two touchdowns for the cause yeah i don't i mean we don't know what's going to happen for sure but that's what it looks like right now i mean he was out there he still kept 100 percent of the two-minute offense after you bring a two-minute offensive back over i i don't know maybe hines isn't ready i it's just weird. Like the Bills have been so in on a passing down back, and Devin Singletary has been such a bad passing down back, yet these passing down backs can't get on the field. I, I have no clue what's going on. I'm not even going to try to pretend anymore. Like if you need to move on from a guy like Hines, fine, just dump him. You know, I can't guarantee that he won't end up being the passing down back in like three weeks from now. But I think as, as much as we've seen for the course of the season that James Cook and other guys haven't been able to take him over either, it's like Singletary, I think you just got to lean into it at this point. But yeah, he did dominate. One other note I would give folks on the Bills, Isaiah McKenzie, for the second week in a row, was the absolute lead slot receiver. He didn't. Oh, yeah. He was not sharing this with Khalil uh, Shakir. It was even better this week. 81% route participation, only 8% for Shakir. If you guys remember back early in the season, it was like 60% to McKenzie and 40% to Crowder, or 30% to Crowder, 10% to, to Khalil Shakir. Now it's really just been McKenzie. So he's really set up to, especially if you're you're playing DFS or something, there's going to be a boom week coming because you guys know, like Gabriel Davis comes through, he'll have a big week, but he's not a target hog. It's really Stefan Diggs and then whatever he, you know, whoever Josh Allen decides on on the week, right? That's going to be the number two guy. You know, Dawson Knox, he doesn't demand a lot of targets either. So I think McKenzie's a guy that can be in the mix. You definitely want him on your roster in deeper leagues. You know, I'd say I would put him in the wide receiver four conversation, kind of like where we used to put Cole Beasley, right? Hey, he's a wide receiver four, can give you wide receiver three, wide receiver two game at any time. The one thing that's really nice, McKenzie's not the kind of guy that demands the same type level of targets when Cole Beasley would go off. But the big plays, right? He could still the the run after the catch, those sort of things. He can still come through in other ways. So, a good good news for McKenzie this week. 
few notes on the Bills. Josh Allen's day, again, already plenty big, could have been even bigger. He had, you know, in my sheets categories, one of them is a good ball, but no dice out there. So Dawson Knox had a chance for a 20-yard touchdown right before the game ceiling interception. They showed the replay, kind of looked like I hit him in the gut, could not come down with it, game ended on the next play. Also, Stefan Diggs had a chance for a nice 20-yard catch downfield, couldn't quite come down with it. Gabriel Davis had a chance for a second touchdown, but Josh threw the ball a little bit high, and then he took a hit from Harrison Smith anyway. And then finally, James Cook got a nice little sweep, reached out for the goal line, and then got his ass sent back to the bench while Devin Singletary came in and vultured his touchdown. So not a cool move, Dwayne. We don't like to see that. Although I guess when it's James Cook to Devin Singletary, more fantasy managers than not probably pretty pleased about how that played out. Next game, we had the Detroit Lions take down the Chicago Bears 31-30, to covering as three-point road dogs over, continues to get smashed in any game, really involving either of these teams, especially the Bears lately, though. So just 48 and a half with that. Might finally see Vegas, you know, forced to put those 50-point, you know, overs back up in the NFC North here pretty soon. So thank you, Detroit. Points again, and Amon Ross St. Brown doing sun god things again. At least six catches in 11 of his last 12 non-injured games, at least 55 yards every damn time. Dwayne, you want me to read the targets from those games? No problem, man. I got you. 12, 12, 11, 11, 11, 10, 12, 12, 9, 10, 9, most recently 11. Locked in wide receiver one. I don't know why people still seemingly, you know, don't accept it. Maybe I'm the own ass straw man, but if you don't accept Sun God, you better do it soon because he's just going to keep on keeping on. Kings stay Kings win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I put out a bunch of utilization tweets, you know, usually on Sunday night. Um, before we hop on here, like just so folks can check out the timeline and see some stuff. When I got to Amon Ra, I just put, you know, <laughs> Amon Ra St. Brown week 10 utilization, complete badass. Like there's no, I don't, there's nothing else to put on there. Like the dude is awesome. And it is funny. Like immediately, immediately people start replying, can't catch touchdowns. He's only yeah. good whenever TJ Hawkinson's not there. Got down, you know, got down like, at the one yard line, by the way, just saying. And he was running the ball like he was getting carries today and looking good. So, yeah, the touchdowns are going to be there for a Monra. Like, it's fine. Like the bear, the sorry, the Lions, they're not the offense we saw earlier in the season, you know, because they don't have the weapons. So that can hurt the ceiling a little bit for a Monra from a touchdown standpoint. But, yeah, I mean, he had a 50 percent target share. Like, what else do you want from the dude? Like, uh, he, I, I don't know. I don't know. Twenty two point one fantasy points. I'm good, uh, man. Can I, do you want to talk about DeAndre Swift or do we need to like have a moment here? Yeah. All right. Let's give him a quick three. <laughs> All right, yeah. I don't know what it's going to be at this point, man. (laughs) Like, we just can't trust what Dan Campbell's saying. Last week coming into the game, it was like, we're going to get Swift out there, see how he looks, and go from there. He converts five touches into 50 yards. That wasn't good enough, I guess. Here we come out this week, and look, Craig Reynolds on IR. That happened, you know, over the week. I saw some people, like, frustrated and like, how is he taking it? (laughs) No, it's not even Craig Reynolds anymore. It's Justin Jackson continuing to keep DeAndre Swift out of, you know, just even getting, I don't know, half the snaps. Because even Jamal Williams can't get half the snaps at this point, Dwayne. The fact that Justin Jackson and Craig Reynolds have been so involved, nothing against them. They're fine. But, man, you would think that when you have actual, not a ton of money devoted to Jamal, but you brought him in to be your 1A, 1B, and DeAndre Swift out there, it is unfortunate. So, at the end of the day, Jamal Williams, 41% snaps, 16 carries. DeAndre Swift, just 31% snaps, 6 carries, and 2 targets. Justin Jackson, not too far behind at 27% four carries and two targets. So 
damn it, Dwayne. I told myself last week I had Swift like RB 36 or something coming into like Friday. And then he didn't get the injury designation. He got the full practice. And I said, okay, I think we're getting back to the usage. We did not get back to the usage. So he found a way to score a touchdown. Didn't completely kill you guys. But I think we need to see it happen with our own two eyes to him before we get Swift back in the tw- top 24. Amazing talent be damned. Agree. Just got to call him a high end RB three, you know, um, you know, you're going to have bye weeks and stuff where you'll still be able to put him in your flex. Um, you know, you, you, there's worse RB twos, you know, that you could have to deal with. Like if the rest of your roster is loaded, but essentially like Deandre Swift, like I hate to do this. Like this is not a talent comp, but utilization comp he's in the, he's doing what Clyde Edwards Alaire was doing for like the last three years. Like, dude, it's split between three guys. And at least before, we would see him get all the passing network. That's not been the case these last two weeks. He had 50% of the two-minute offense. It was a little better than last week. But long down a distance, only 22%. So that's that's third, fourth down, um, three-plus yards to go. 56% of those, 56% of that went to Justin Jackson. So he's, he's sharing the passing down work. Only 21% of the team's rushing attempts. He hasn't hit a 30%, uh, a 30% share of the rushing attempts since week one. Like in week one, I mean, he was well over that, but he has since then he's not been there. So yeah, still a talented player. I don't know what's going on. Um, I was with you when he got removed from the injury report. I did move him up some this past week. I got him back into the RB two stuff, but uh, I'm with you. I think we just, we're going to have to wait and see. He's not a guy you want to give up on. Don't sell low. If your league still has trades, like, cause you can't get enough for him right now. I'd rather just hold him than take some crappy offer right from somebody so uh but i think yeah high-end rb3 is what you got to look at right now and hope hope that talent wins out and he starts to take this backfield back over second straight game we had you know just a really tilting vulture situation from a random tight end out there jamal williams stuffed down at the one yard line oh here you go deandre swift he got stuffed at the one yard line brock wright gets the touchdown just like all of us were hoping also mentioned some guy getting taken down at the one final sheesh was tj hawkinson actually had a pretty good chance at catching a 10 yard touchdown replay showed he had his arm getting ripped down should have been a penalty wasn't a penalty and with that we have a sheesh onto the bears Ian, before we go on, like yeah. I have a fantasy joke for you. Why okay. does Brock Wright get to play so much? Because <laughs> he's always right. Because he blocks right. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> you see, pretty close the same way. Right? We you were like, close. You were very close because he's like, always right. Yeah. It's like we've been talking for a while or something like that. <laughs> right, on the Bears side of things, just another incredible performance from Justin Fields. And this is best case for Bears fans, man. You're losing these games. Your draft picks looking awesome. I don't think any Bears fans had it twisted in their mind. They were going to be a competitive team this year. So finding out that Fields, I mean, I don't know what else the guy needs to be doing on a weekly basis to prove that he does hers you know they have a little bit of a team built around them giving them a chance he's looking good your team is still losing but it's not because of justin fields to me that seems like the best of both worlds so yes a lot of it is coming on the ground but who cares at this point the dude's got 11 total touchdowns in his last 12 quarters of football last time i checked passing and rushing counts the same in real life but that's sweet sweet rushing even better in fantasy land this year Dwayne on pace for 1,273 rushing yards now and 10 rushing scores on the ground. So Justin Fields, I mean, I had him ranked. This is a league winner, man. He's winning leagues, especially if you waited at quarterback this year. And we know how big the the divide has been, right, between the quarterbacks that you waited on and the quarterbacks that went early. Like if you haven't had Josh Allen and you've had to start, you know, Tom Brady or one of these other guys, like it's been brutal 
But if you manage to pick Justin Fields up off waivers, because let's be honest, like he was available even in the toughest stuff. FFPC, five, six weeks ago, this guy was available 70% of the time. He didn't finish in the top 20 the first four weeks of the year. It wasn't that egregious. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's tough to hang on to a guy like that early in the season whenever you're dealing with other stuff that you're trying to work the waiver wire on. But this is, if you've got a really good roster and you picked up Justin Fields and you this is a league winning play. Like, it's amazing what he's doing. This is Lamar Jackson from 2018 or whenever it was, 19, when he just went bananas. That's what we're getting here with Fields. Now, we'll talk about how well he's going to handle the Week 15, Week 16 matchups against the Eagles. And, Bill, is another time for Dwayne we can just bask in. The amazing fantasy excellence that has been Justin Fields. So, that said, a lot of this is coming on the ground, which we will take eight days in a week in fantasy. But let's face it, season high in pass attempts is 28. You know, he surpassed 200 yards one time. He got all the way up to 208 passing yards. So when I see someone like Cole Komet, who has zero touchdowns in weeks one through seven, and now he scored five over the last three weeks. Dwayne, Cole Komet's usage has been fine since week one. This wasn't like a situation where Ryan Griffin and some of those other guys who I thought were maybe going to honestly just force Komet to be the 60, 70% route guy. That hasn't happened. He rarely leaves the field. The problem has been the volume at hand. So when I see Komet going off like this, it's great. That said, I don't really think Chase Claypool is only going to have one catch for eight yards more weeks than not. Darnell Mooney took a backseat this week. Usually Darnell Mooney is their number one. So Cole Komet, sell high at this point or do we have a top 10 tight end the rest of the way because that's always been over the past again three weeks on the season now only travis kelsey has more receiving touchdowns at the position well they're doing some interesting things with him like where they're really putting defenses in a bind of having to choose is justin fields gonna run or are they gonna cover cole Komet? and as soon as they commit to justin fields he just throws it to cole Komet. so it's like you're, you're kind of screwed if you're the defender in that situation um so the interesting thing, like, is his route participation, to your point, has been great all year. Like, so that's there. Um, the last three games, his target shares have gone from 9% to 22% to 41%. So you kind of need a target share around 25 30% in an offense, to your point, that's going to not throw the ball this often. But I could see him continuing to score some touchdowns just because of the way they use him, kind of like a – a few years ago when we had Robert Tunyon, right? Everybody kept waiting. Ah, he can't keep scoring these touchdowns. But then when you watch the games, you saw they used him down inside the five. You're like, well, crap. Like Eric Ebron keep scoring these- with Andrew Luck that one year. Yeah. And every once in a while, you just kind of get lucky, right? And this stuff works out. But there's so many bad tight ends. It's hard to just say that Cole Komet's a for sure fade. Like, I think he's a high-end tight end too, um, you know, because he's been scoring these touchdowns. Maybe he works his way into the low-end tight end one. But a- again, we're mainly – and we've brought this up many, many times, right? Whenever you get into that range of tight ends, whoever scores the touchdowns, right? That That's who you're going to wish you started. You, yeah. you don't always know who it's going to be. Whether or not this is just a hot streak, I can't say for sure, but I've seen enough to see the way that the plays are designed to be like, you know, he might be able to keep doing some of this. So I think there's a potential path here for Komet. I would not be against selling high, though, for, for sure. If someone just fell in love with this and they're like, oh my God, Cole Komet's like a top five tight end. Yeah. Like, you know, dump him, get rid of him. But otherwise, you know, I think he's fine. He's a guy you can stream. He's not going out there breaking four tackles, you know, Moss. No, he's very stiff. He's 
very stiff. The 50-yard touchdown was a complete blown coverage. His other yes. touchdown was just a red zone play design. But guess what? If they're going to be designing those for him and it works out, then all those points count the same in fantasy. So it's a fair point. Look, I, Cole Komet, Dalton Schultz, like, are these the most talented tight ends in the world? I don't really think so. But if they're in a good situation to put up a bunch of fantasy points, we do not discriminate against not that talented tight ends, Wayne. This podcast refuses to do that in the year 2022. Final, <laughs> final note here is a hip injury, unfortunately, occurred for one Khalil Herbert. He got ruled out, so keep an eye on that. If Herbert's going to be out of the picture, Dave Montgomery is going to be looking at that top 15, dare I say, as a volume-based RB two RB one. It's tough Dwayne. Like yeah. you want to put him up. You want to put him up in the top 12. The thing is just Justin, Justin Fields is the offense is RB one. Let's face it. Yeah. Ju- Justin Fields is awesome. But we also know like David Montgomery stop dancing, dude. You do not need to, when you play with a guy like this, like there's just huge holes in front of you. Like we've seen it forever, right? With Gus Edwards, all these backs, you know, with the Ravens, when the defense has to be so consumed by the quarterback and all the design run looks that they get, like there's just a lot of opportunities. So yeah, I think David Montgomery, you know, he's definitely in the RB2 conversation, probably high-end RB2 if we're not going to have Kula Herbert out there, regardless of how bad he's looked, y'all. Like I know a lot of people are going to, oh man, David Montgomery, it doesn't matter. He's get, If he gets enough work, he's, he's going to score fantasy points in this offense. So yeah, I, I think this is big for David Montgomery. Hopefully, Khalil Herbert isn't out for long. Like he's looked really good, man. Like I, I really don't know. I will agree with people on the fact that Khalil Herbert has looked way better. I, I don't know how he hasn't taken over yet because he's played a lot better than David Montgomery. Would note Montgomery almost added a touchdown to that total. Got stuffed at the one yard line. Hate to see that. Hey, moving on, on, yeah. on the Bears real quick, Ian. Sorry, Claypool. Just so people know, we did not get that expanded role that we thought we were going to see. Uh, you know, last week he was out there basically for thirty percent of the routes, thirty percent again. So that doesn't mean it's going to stick that way, right? I mean, the guy's probably still learning the playbook, whatever. I just kind of would have hoped, like, maybe he's up to, like, a 65% this week, Ian, you know, but he's still at 30%. Targets per route run were still really good, 29%. That was second on the team to only Cole Komet. We saw last week he was over 30% targets per route run. So they're trying to get him involved when he's on the field, um, but he just hasn't been on the field enough. And and to be fair, like a 29% targets per route run when you're on a team that runs the ball as much as the Bears, like it's really not a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it's man. what we have, so... <laughs> Look, I, the, the percentages are more are more useful because it takes away, you know, the element of like a team yeah. is having a higher volume of plays, but he ran six routes all game. Six routes for Chase Claypool. Like, come on, guys. Like, we're, did Byron Pringle play ahead of him, Dwayne? Yes, he did. 41% route participation for Byron Pringle, 48% for Dante Pettis, and 56% for that other St. Brown boy. I mean, they literally came out before the game and said he was going to be more involved, whatever. Yeah, don't touch uh, these Bears wide receivers in fantasy, you know, just the next level. If I'm rostering any of those behind Mooney, it is still Claypool, in my opinion, right? He's the one that I, you know, if if I were to be like, okay, God, I got to start him. Like, if he had the role, like, it would be Claypool. (laughs) Like you don't feel good about it, though. That's you don't feel good about here, it. No. So, God, no. do we got to do sometimes? <laughs> I, I, hey, at least t- they're more efficient yeah. now. They're down. There's opportunities to score now in this offense. Early on in the season, it was like, "Hey, we're run heavy and we can't score points." Now, at least it's we're run heavy and we score a lot of points. So there's a, there's a, you're by the you're near the end zone much more now in the Bears offense. Dwayne, I didn't feel good about starting Christian Watson in our Kings Classic team today, but you know what? Bro. Sometimes crazy things happen. So, <laughs> yes, I can't wait to talk about him.
Oh, yeah. Titans, Broncos. Again, not a very good game compared to the last couple we talked about, but we'll get through this one the same. We treat all fantasy points, all games equal here. Titans 17, Broncos 10. Tennessee covered as two and a half point favorites. The under cashed at a lowly 39 and a half. It is possible for a top 24 PPR performance to come out of this Tennessee wide receiver room. I was trotting that stat along for nine weeks. Week 10, not so fast, my friend. Nick Westbrook Akini, five catches, 119 yards, and a pair of scores. Good job by you, my friend. And it's a good overall game from Ryan Tannehill showing that, yes, Malik Willis might have a bright future. He can do a lot of things athletically that Tannehill can't at this point in his career. But pull up those Texas A&M wide receiver highlights from Tanny if you ever got, you know, a rainy day to go experience some YouTube goodness because that man used to be able to do some pretty great things out there. But, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, are we, you know, pumped about him in fantasy? No, we never have been. I mean, Derrick Henry is the only guy we care about in this offense. And, unfortunately, he had 53 scoreless yards on not just 19 carries in this one. So, it's still pretty much only Derrick Henry. I think the only thing to really talk about here from a fantasy perspective, Dwayne, is Traylon Burks getting back into the picture. Really good to see him already have six targets in this. So having Tannehill back, having a healthy Burks, again, I'm not going to be ranking him. It, probably not in my top 36 next week. It's going to be really hard to. We're not going to feel good about starting him, but we are not even the Christian Watson uh, you know, sort of performance away. If we can see Burks just get 60 and a touchdown or something, man, Maybe, maybe, maybe we get a middle-class man's version of an AJB down the stretch. All I mean by that is making the most out of limited volume because we do know he can do some good things and he checks some of the boxes we look for in a prospect. Yeah, he's a great run-after-the-catch player. Like, he can make a lot of things happen. That's what this offense needs, you know? I mean, they need something in the passing game that can give them a little bit of a spark. They did get it from Westbrook Akini today. He he did have a busted play. That was a big part of what he had. Not, look, he played good, but... We know who Westbrook Akini is. Like, we've seen it for multiple years now. Now, he's not an elite target earner. He wasn't today, 21%, you know, target share, which is just fine, you know, but it's not like, you know, he was just out there completely balling out. So I would expect Traylon Burks to take over, you know, his role here eventually. And this is the thing, man. You just don't get an opportunity to add guys that were drafted in the first round that play on a team where the depth chart's wide open. And they are literally screaming, we need someone to take over. And that's kind of the thing we saw today with Christian Watson as well. So, yeah, while you can't start Burks right now, he should be rostered. Like, he yeah. is – he's sitting out there still as a free agent in a ton of leagues. I put him in the newsletter on Saturday just because I, when I saw it, I was like, Jesus, like, how is Traylon Burks still out there in, like, 80% of leagues? Like, that that's just way too many. Folks, it takes wide receivers time to get going. Rookie wide receivers score far more points in the second half of their rookie season than the first half. Think back, even OBJ, we're not saying, you know, Traylon Burks is, is Odell Beckham Jr., but the first four games of the year, he was hurt. Traylon Burks has had time where he's been hurt. If you looked at it, it was like week six before we even saw OBJ get any sort of real role with the Giants. From like week eight on, he was an absolute league destroyer. But guess what? Everyone, whenever that first started to happen, would have been like, man, we don't want OBJ. He's just sitting on the waiver wire. Who cares? He's got to prove it to me another week. If you wait another week and a rookie proves it, it's over. You're not getting him unless you've got all your fab left. So go get him now. You see he's got the role. Stash him on your bench. Find someone else to cut. Get rid of a Khalif Raymond, right? Get, get rid of these guys that you've been using in spot starts. You want to you want to load your roster up with as many of these upside guys as you can. Dwayne, Sorry, that's I all. Like ran, I ran out of I ran out of words to say. 
Oh, it happens, man. You should see the comments people leave about me just talking in the worst way imaginable. Apparently, I'm trying, everybody. I hear you. But, you know, if the information is good, the information is good. Dwayne, the one issue with all that, like you're talking about putting Burks in the newsletter, man. Look, I these listeners out here, I mean, I see all the verified. Apparently, some people have $8 to throw away a month. But not every listener, Dwayne. How could everyone go out there and afford this newsletter that you're apparently just leaving all the secrets out in? Yeah, well, it's very expensive because it's F-R-E-E. You know, oh, that's yeah. right. It's free. I, I forget that every single this keeps happening. So my bad. I'll try to get it. You guys can go to fantasylife.com and you sign up for it right there and you get it in your mailbox every day. Great day to be great. God, I can be so good on natural ads when I really want to sometimes, <laughs> Dwayne. All right, with the Broncos now on the other side of things. Again, talked about, you know, with the Buccaneers a little bit, how we had this, you know, international game. Everyone's actually watching it. And it felt like we actually achieved a little bit of success before that buy. Broncos had some time to get right. And yeah, this did not go well at all. Just 10 freaking points. And the Broncos still are the only team in the NFL with 20 plus points in only two games a season. Uh, I, fo- I saw a tweet before I you know started off up this stream. Apologies for not crediting it. But I believe I saw the Broncos would be eight and one this season if they had just scored at least 18 points during regulation of their regular season game. So the fact they're wasting, honestly, man, one of the best defenses in the leagues this year. If you want to call it the best defense in the league, I think you have a good argument for it. And it's I've tried to stress this. It's not that the Broncos have been bad. They have been horrific. Bottom five and pretty much anything you want to look up. And unfortunately, now they're going to be even a lesser version of themselves because Jerry Judy suffered an ankle injury, banged up early, and did not return. Now, head coach Nathaniel Hackett did say they're hopeful that they dodged a bullet there. We will see what that means. So, Dwayne, without Judy there, we did see Cortland Sutton have a team high 11 targets. He, you know, was stuck at 36 yards for a while, ended up on the last drive, getting up to 66. Hey, points count the same first quarter, fourth quarter. That's okay. Still, though, last three games combined, just six catches and 50 scoreless yards. Even if Judy is out, man, what? Low-end wide receiver two for Sutton? Like, this is crazy. I thought we were really done with them, but now with Judy out, we really have to kind of get back into <laughs> yeah. the Colton Sutton conversation again. Thoughts on Sutton if Judy's going to miss any time. <laughs> I know, but it's funny is you still almost kind of think of him like, like we were feeling about Pittman with Ellinger. Like that's how bad it is for Russ Wilson right now. Is you're like, you think Russ Wilson's like Ellinger. Uh, I mean, he, Russ, I gotta get, he threw for 286 today. Like Ellinger couldn't really get close to that. So, I mean, one touchdown, one pick, but yeah, no, I think he's a low, I think you nailed it. Low end wide receiver two, purely based on the volume. I think it's also eventually ends up, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Judy, but I mean, he was immediately ruled out when this happened. They put him on a cart, took him in. Sounds like it originally I thought maybe it was an Achilles because the way he grabbed the back of his foot, but apparently it's something to do with his ankle. Um, but Dulcich, right. would be the other guy. I think that's your primary two options in, in the passing attack today. Dulcich didn't show up big in the box score only and plus only an 11% target share, but still 82% route participation. So I still think Greg Dulcich is, he's a tight end one. I I really do believe that. So if someone drops him or he's still available in your league, you know, and you've been messing around with some of these other tight ends that you don't like, Dulcich is still an option. Last thing I would say on the Broncos, Ian, you probably got some more stuff here too, but uh, Chase Edmonds, He's still just Chase Edmonds. Like he's he did he, his role didn't get any better with the Broncos. Nineteen percent of the snaps, eight um, percent of the rushing attempts. Does that do anything for you? Didn't get the passing down work. Uh, Melvin Gordon still kept that one hundred percent of the two minute offense, almost seventy percent of the long down and distance. Still going to Melvin Gordon, but just enough, Ian, that we got to rotate three dudes. We got Melvin Gordon, we got Latavius Murray, and Chase Edmonds in a three way rotation and a crappy offense. Awesome. 
think it's because of the trade deadline and like Devonta getting hurt and stuff. But I swear, like every other radio like hit I do, they ask me about the Broncos backfield. And my answer has been the same for like six weeks. Javante could barely get a workhorse role here. Why are we going to expect anyone else to get one? Exactly. And what's been a terrible freaking offense. So if you like a committee back that's not going to get fed the ball and is going to have next to zero scoring upside, the Denver Broncos backfield is for you. Final note I had is that Dolchich did have a step deep, you know, a perfect throw from Russ, which let's face it, we've seen him make many a perfect throw over the years. Unfortunately, overthrew him, could only get a hand on it. Would have been a nice little 40-yard addition to the performance. But otherwise, uh, Jalen Virgil, if you had him scoring a 66-yard touchdown today, you know, you are a sorcerer. He now has, Dwayne, as many touchdowns as Cortland Sutton this season. So that's just a nice little sobering reality check there for any of you. They will get Hamler back. I, you know, I mean, Hamler was out this week, so I mean, maybe, but I don't really get that excited about. It. Like Hamler just hasn't shown us that much now. He hasn't been very. He's still been, you know, he's not even a full year removed right from his injury, so that can still have something to do with it. But I don't know that they'll put Hamler out there in two wide receiver sets. That's that's what I wonder. I think we could still easily see Kendall Hinton be the guy out there with Sutton, and then you see KJ Hamler get on the field in three wide sets. We kind of got to wait to see what happens with Judy before we can give any sort of recommendation on a guy like Hamler or some of these other guys as to how aggressive you know to be with them. Chiefs took down the Jaguars 27 to 17, just barely covering us nine and a half point favorites under Dig Casto at 51 and a half. So new guys stepping up on offense with the same old Patrick Mahomes doing his thing. 331 yards, four touchdowns through the air. If it seems like Patrick Mahomes just has these sort of performances more than anyone, that's because he does league high 16 games with four plus touchdowns since 2018. Four more games than the next closest player. So I think he's my MVP at this point. You know, certainly in anyone's top three. You could, in- I mean, I think you could say he's the Amon Ross St. Brown of quarterbacks at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone's ever said, given Patrick Mahomes a better compliment than that. That's what we need. Hey, PFF quote guy. That's the quote I want from this episode. Patrick Mahomes is the Amon Ross St. Brown of quarterback. Dwayne <laughs> McFarlane. I don't care if you reference the podcast. Just give us that quote. But otherwise, Dwayne, we did have some uh, you know interesting developments. Unfortunately, Juju Smith-Schuster did get knocked out of this one concussion. We are hoping that he is going to be better before too long but he is in a concussion protocol not sure when or you know when he's going to be back marquez ball scaling shortly after also got rocked jaguars were hitting out there today he did return to at the action and then Kadarius tony I don't think this was planned like Justin Jefferson's, but he kind of also faked a hamstring injury when he scored a touchdown. But I also think that was because he was just kind of already having to hop into the end zone. But either way, don't scare us like that, Tony. Same thing we said to Jefferson. But before we get to Tony, Dwayne, let's talk about this backfield because we have Isaiah Pacheco going out there. I've already seen, you know, 60 fantasy analysts tweet it. Oh, my goodness. He had 16 of the backfield, 17 carries out there. And that's great. He clearly took a nice step ahead of Claude Ebersolaire, who in this game only had 6% of the snaps, zero carries, and two targets. But I'm looking at Pacheco versus Jarek McKinnon, almost similar to Wandale Robinson versus Darius Slayton right now. One guy continues to outperform the other guy, but we have this stuck in our head that Pacheco is the better talent than McKinnon because Pacheco's the rookie that we've been talking about all year. I don't know. I don't know, kids. Pull up the player profiler for Jared McKinnon and look at that LaDainian Tomlinson athleticism that we could, that we couldn't shut up about and back in 2017, 2018. Man, when Jared McKinnon got that fat deal to go to the 49ers, like we were freaking out, ranking him as a top 10 running back going into the next year. I don't know, Dwayne. I'm not saying he looks like Prime McKinnon, but he looks healthy enough out there. And the fact that he had six catches for 56 yards, another game where he's catching easily more than five passes, like 
why are we not more into the pass down back in Kansas City? Because at this point, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks to be out of the picture and targets over carries. McKinnon's getting the targets. Yeah, I, I don't look at this one as an either or now. I look at this as this is just good for both of these Let's guys. Let's go. Let's right? go. Pacheco is the lead, you know, early down back, 73% of the rushing attempts today. So in an offense like Kansas City, he's going to get a chance to score a lot of touchdowns. Like if he keeps this role, like you're going to have weeks where Pacheco scores two touchdowns rushing, right? And today, 16 carries, 82 yards. Very easily, you're going to see weeks, 16 carries, 80 yards, two rushing touchdowns, right? No targets, no receptions because those go to McKinnon. So I think this is good for both of them. With Edwards-Alaire, with only 6% of the snaps, 7% route participation. Now I will say Edwards-Alaire, when he got on the field, his 67% of the plays inside the 10 went to Alaire. So that's the one thing you got to watch for with Pacheco because if if that continues, then that takes away that upside for the two touchdowns, right? But it could have very easily just been a fluky thing this week where the drive – you know, Edwards Alaire happened to get out there. They had a couple extra plays inside the 10, you know, that kind of thing. So I have to go back and look at it. But overall, I think that's just really positive because now you can use Pacheco. You know, McKinnon is a guy that you could use. If I had to rank them, though, I'm going to rank Pacheco ahead of McKinnon um, yeah. just because I I know that he's probably more – he's going to be more likely to score the touchdown, right, in my opinion. But, but to your point, like McKinnon is completely – you know, he's an afterthought. He's available a ton on waiver. I've put him in my waiver work column, I bet, like six times this year, <laughs> you know, because I kind of wait. I see what everybody else does. I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about the guys that nobody else talked about, like in the first waiver wire stuff that came out on Monday. And so McKinnon makes it all the time because I'll see he's not in anybody's waiver wire column. So I like both of these players. This is really good. Bad for Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, yeah, pour one out for the former f- first round draft pick. It does look like they're finally just moving on. I will say, I mean, these last two weeks, he caught six balls last week. And I believe this week, he also caught six passes. So before that, he didn't even have a game with more than three receptions all year. So I think what you brought up first is the most important. Two running backs. We say all the time, Dwayne, we can live with two running back committees. Especially in a good offense. We can live with it. (laughs) Especially in a good offense. Final note, I love that Andy Reid is willing to go back to these players after they make a mistake. We did see Pacheco lose a fumble inside the 20-yard line. A lot of momentum. What they do? Gave the ball right back to him the next time out, just like he did when Kareem Hunt fumbled his first NFL carry. Obviously, you know, seeing what Kareem Hunt was able to do in that game specifically coming back ended up being the right move there. Final point here, Dwayne. Oh, he's got a lot to talk about in the ever-explosive Chiefs offense. Yeah, we got Travis Kelsey doing Travis Kelsey things, putting up his usual big numbers. But Kadarius Tony out here, snapping ankles, catching wide-open touchdowns when Miko Hardman's out of the game with an abdominal injury, but looking pretty damn good, Dwayne. 102 yards and a touchdown on his first eight touches with the Chiefs. Are we here? Wide receiver three season, are we ready? Or are you going to tell us that his routes still aren't quite high enough to expect it to consistently come? Man, he looks so good. He's the best receiver on their team. I have no doubt about it. Even when Juju's healthy, he is the best receiver on their team. But in a, in a day where Juju Smith-Schuster was only out there for 39% route participation because of the concussion, and a day where you did not have Mecole Hardman, who's been around 50 to 60% route participation, Tony was only able to garner 41%. And this is a player that had an extra week versus some of these other players that got traded, right? He went to the Chiefs. Um, you know, he's been there three weeks now, right? This is his second game to play, but he's been with the Chiefs for three weeks. So maybe he showed enough. Like a 29% targets per route run was really good. Like that was the best on the team behind Jarek McKinnon. 
Um, so that was nice. 14% target share. I mean, it's tough to get a huge target share where you're only out there 41%, you know, of the time. So I think he's showing us all the things he's shown us in, a, in the past 3.35 yards per route run today. He demanded the targets when he was on the field, but can he get on the field? We actually saw Justin Watson, his route participation jumped to 73%. Now he's not getting targeted. You know, he's not really a great player, but for whatever reason, like Tony was not on the field that much. Now the chiefs did lead a ton. Like Tony's not really a run blocker. So that could be very much the reason that Justin Watson was out there. But still, for me, Ian, kind of disappointing. Like, Tony did everything we thought he would do. He looks great. But, like, God, like, can he not get to 60% route participation in a game like this? Like, that does bother me. I'm still – you don't want to release him. You don't want to let go. But I do think it's still going to be hard to start him, especially if Juju's back next week, if Meikle's back. We have no clue what this thing is going to look like, um, but he's too good. He's too good to drop. Um, I will say Sky Moore also his role did not change. Only a twenty five percent snap share, twenty seven percent targets per route run. That's pretty much where he's been the last several weeks. So he did continue to rotate though with Tony. It wasn't just all Tony. Over on the Jaguars side of things, I know they lost by ten. This is actually another really good performance by Trevor Lawrence. We don't like seeing him take the five sacks, but on today, three big time throws that were awfully evident out there, and zero turnover worthy plays, something that he has struggled with. So PFF grade still finalizing, but coming in as the number five quarterback on the week in terms of pure PFF passing grade. So back to back really good games from him, and that's just great to see because we did have a quite a lull there between you know. Weeks two and three, they beat the Chargers in week three, and we're all going nuts. And then week four to kind of week eight or so, a little bit more down. So good things coming from Trevor Lawrence. We got the 20, you know, six rushing yards, and they continue to design him a couple rush attempts per game. So good stuff from Trevor Lawrence, and accordingly, good stuff from this passing game, especially one Christian Kirk. So Hand up, Doug Peterson. I know you're listening to this, man. I apologize. You know, I was wondering, asking Dwayne every single Sunday night, <laughs> like, can we continue to trust Christian Kirk? And Dwayne would reassure me and say, nah, man, we're good. It's all underlines are all there. And Doug, what did Doug Peterson do? You know, he heard enough of me barking for five weeks. And before week six, he said, Christian Kirk, quote unquote, needs to be up there nine, 10, 11 targets possibly since then. 5, 10, 7, 9, and 12 targets with two rush attempts. Hell yeah, Doug Peterson, Christian Kirk. Wide receiver one, upside wide receiver two. <laughs> You're starting them. Let's go, baby. Wide well, receiver one overall now, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing else to add here on the Jaguars. They look good. We know what this attack looks like. Nothing's really changing, but Christian Kirk just coming through. And again, this is why we look at the utilization and stuff, because then when a game script gets tilted, you saw today 80% of the time the Jaguars had to drop back and pass. They've been in much closer scripts. They've been more of a kind of if they had to go to the Madden playbook, they're picking the balance playbook. Um, today, they had to break out the pass-heavy playbook. And when that happens, that's why the percentages are helpful. All of a sudden, a 29% target share, which is what he's been getting, turns from seven targets into 10. You know, So it's, it's a good thing for Christian Kirk. Sometimes you just need the game scripts to help push things along. Final notes here, just a couple of sheeshes. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones both had good balls downfield. Again, Trevor Lawrence did play a lot better than even those counting numbers that weren't bad uh, necessarily tell you in the old box score. So Kirk and Zay Jones could have had bigger days. And then short touchdown to Evan Ingram got taken off the board because of an ineligible man downfield. I'm pretty sure the left tackle thought it was like a run play because this dude was running into the end zone as Evan Ingram was catching a touchdown in the corner. And man, I'm, I cannot wait, Dwayne. I'm thinking about this right now. All sheesh team is going to be fantastic 
fantastic at the end of the year. That is going to crush. Probably not SEO because no one's Googling sheesh. As my, <laughs> as my editors tell me every single week when I submit this article. But I'll love it. I'll make my mom read it and all that shit going on there. So, But Evan Ingram, man, oh my gosh. I feel like every single week I'm finding something to really bump him down. Real quick, Dwayne, did we see Ingram go back to getting the elite routes? I know last week Dan Arnold was actually up there a little bit. I wasn't sure if that had to do with the back injury. Yeah, it was just due to the back injury. He was he was great. 84% route participation today, um, 11% target share. So Ingram's been solid, man. Like he is he's a high end tight end too. Like he's hitting those numbers every week. You know, it can be a passing offense where they spread things around and you could be the odd player out each week. But more weeks than not, like Ingram's been there. And like today to hear that he had a sheesh, because I, I didn't know that. Like again, so like he could have nearly been there again today. So I think that's a positive. Giants took down the Texans 24 to 16 riveting game here covered as five point favorites under cash at 41 and a half the Saquon Barkley show 160 total yards and a touchdown. I don't know if that's going to be good enough to get him in the top two overall running backs from this week, Dwayne, but if it is, that would be the sixth time in nine games that the Houston Texans have allowed one of the top two running back performances of the week in full PPR scoring. This is just the absolute dream defense to be playing running backs against lately. And Saquon proved that again in this one. We also did see Saquon improve his pace up to 2,131 total yards on the season, 11 touchdowns to boot. So keep on keeping on with Saquon. Now in the passing game, Daniel Jones did everything he was asked to do out there. Average 11.6 yards per attempt. The man only threw four incompletions in a 60-minute football game, partially because he only threw 17 passes. Like, look. I'm the, the Giants are seven and two. I think Daniel Jones usually goes out there and does everything that Brian Dable asks him to do. But let's face it, this offense goes through Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones isn't quite the same rusher as Justin Fields, even if he looks like it every once in a while with that read option game. So at the end of the day, just like I did with Fields, I mean, we can go through Daniel Jones's counting stats through the air, and they just aren't that good. Only eight passing touchdowns on the season. He's had under 200 passing yards in all but two of his games. His highest single game passing yards total this year is 217 yards. So when we pulled up, Dwayne, like, yeah, Darius Slayton had a team high four targets. So as much as I want to be <laughs> like, what the hell, Wandale? You know, Tanner Hudson's playing almost every single snap as his tight end with Daniel Bellinger still coming back from the eye issue. And Credit to Darius Slayton, you know, turning that, you know, short catch into a 54-yard touchdown. Hell of a play by the guy. And we've seen enough quickness from Wandale Robinson with the full-time role to feel somewhat good about it. But to me, I look at Slayton and Wandale Robinson like I do Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. They're top two wide receivers in their passing game, which is good. Do I think they're going to be cracking the top 24, really, at any point the rest of the year? Not really. Not because of them, because of the volume in the offense. Yeah, and with the Giants, though, like they're typically in a lot closer games, right? Where they can't quite be this run heavy. Their drop back rate today was only 35% of the plays, <laughs> you know? So they were running the ball like all the time. Um, you know, this is like a Tennessee Titans kind of game. Um, so I think Wandell can still be okay. Like, I think he's, you know, can't think of him as anything more than like a low end wide receiver three. He really is probably more of a wide receiver four, but. I mean, his 83% route participation today was number one on the team. They're going to have games in the future where they're not just, you know, in, in complete control like they were with the Texans today. In fact, like I said, that's what most of their games look like. So it, they're not a fast offense, though, right? Um, you know, they're, they don't run a ton of plays, to your point. But I don't think they're – I don't grade them, like, as one of those teams where I'm just super worried about volume every week. I'm like, it's going to be below average, right? Yeah. But you can still, still find a guy to come through – so with Wandell, like today sucks, 3.5 fantasy points. Um, like you mentioned, he had two targets. 
two receptions for 20 yards. Uh, and then he had a rushing attempt for minus five. It took you took you from your 4.0 down to three and a half. So, yeah, sometimes that kind of stuff happens. But I think wide receiver four is the way you look at Wandell right now. Moving on to Houston Texans. Yeah, we talk about Damian Pierce every week and we move on and we act like this is a normal thing for a football organization to only have a day three rookie running back for people like Dwayne and I to talk about. <laughs> he continues to ball. Credit to Damian Pierce and the fact that he did go out there, have 73% snaps in a game they were trailing for most of the afternoon. Good to see after we had a little bit too much Rex Burkhead, Dario Gubawale for fantasy managers liking last week. You added up Pierce, another electric 44-yard run, and he even did catch two passes for good measure. Yeah, he lost a fumble. The bigger issue, Dwayne, is he has one touchdown over the last four weeks. So, look, beggars can't be choosers. We're getting 100-plus yards out of the guy. Like clockwork, he's going to be flirting with that 20-touch mark every single week. It's just a little bit unfortunate that a guy that's fourth in missed tackles, you know, force per attempt, 10th in yards after contact. We watched the guy play. He's one of the best running backs seemingly in football. I don't know what else to call it. With the ball in his hands, the dude is an absolute monster. He's on the, you know, Kyle Brandt's angry run list seemingly every other week out there. So it's Damian Pierce. We're starting him. But otherwise, miss me with this offense, man. What the hell, Houston? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was our worry about Damian Pierce, even when we talked about, like, his ceiling scenario before the season, right, if he did take over. But what I will say is over the last three games, like he's been involved in the two-minute offense, which he was not before the bye week. Um, so to this today he had 48% of it. Last week he was oh, – the two weeks before combined, he had taken 75% of the two-minute offense. So we are seeing an expanding role for him. Um, I don't know if it will expand further than this, but it's all you can ask. He Early in the season, he did not play at all on the two-minute offense. If you go back and look at all the games before the bye – um, hardly at all was he on the field for that or long down a distance. So I look at that as being a positive. Um, the good thing with the Texans is when Texans is when they get inside the five yard line, like they run the ball the second most in the NFL. Um, they do not throw the ball once they're down inside the five. Guess who gets all of the work inside the five yard line? Damian Pierce gets all of it. So even though it's a bad offense, I still think he's got plenty of outs. He's playing well when they do have a chance to score. He's the main guy. It just hasn't worked out the last couple of weeks. And his role in the passing game is expanding over a three-week period. So I think those are positives. Yeah, just keep firing him up as a high-end RB2. That's what he is. Yeah, whenever I uh, see an offense like, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts always sneaking in himself from the one or Tom Brady throwing four phase from the one-yard line instead of just handing it off to a running back. Just takes me back to the Ricky Bobby scene where Cal asked Ricky if, you know, hey, maybe you could slingshot me one of these times. And, and the Ricky's <laughs> just like, well, Cal, you know, if we do that, how am I going to win in that situation? And then, so they just don't do it because, you know, they both <laughs> can't be winning. In Houston, in that situation, Ricky's like, hell yeah, Cal, go, go go get in there a touchdown. We'll just, you know, go to 1-7-1, but we'll have a running back putting up a lot of points. I will say Brandon Cooks did catch a 19-yard touchdown, but penalties suck, and a holding penalty did nullify that score. Next up, we had the Kenny Pickett-led Steelers take down the Saints 20-10 to out here. Finally got a little bit of a reasonable matchup for this passing game. Unfortunately, didn't see a whole lot of boom coming out of it. So the one touchdown we did have a wide receiver score came from George Pickens on an eight-yard inside handoff mm -hmm. after Najee Harris got stuffed at the one-yard line. So that's a new one, giving a wide receiver the carry after, after your running back gets down there. And at this point, Dwayne, yeah, I guess with those two touchdowns, one of the craziest stats I've seen all season, I saw this weekend from Warren Sharp, where the Steelers' long touchdown this year is eight yards. 
Like that's an actual thing. Their longest touchdown really? score this year is eight yards. Oof. And you know, it's now through 10 weeks after Pickett had the QB sneak and George Pickens had that touchdown from the one yard line in his own right. So look, I'm optimistic that now having this condensed pecking order at wide receiver and by that, you know, going down to Pat Fryermuth, that we're going to see better days. I mean, someone like Steven Sims, uh, Gunner or Swesky. My bad. Uh, whoever, like, you know, those guys, we're not going to see them step in, demand the same sort of target share that Chase Claypool did. That said, this still is an offense with a rookie quarterback who, hey, the schedule's been tough. I brought that up almost every single time on this podcast. That says certainly hasn't overcome it. So Deontay Johnson at this point in the season, he actually leads the entire league with 81 targets now without a touchdown. I'd like to say the man is due, but damn, Dwayne. Pickens and Deontay. Similar thing I said to, you know, just the Bears and the Giants for different reasons, but not so sure they're getting to the top 24. I am a little more confident about their volume here moving forward. The only potential problem is it's got a little bit of a Philly vibe to it where it's not just Deontay and Pickens. Pat Fryman would make some noise here too. Yeah, but at least you don't have to worry about Claypool anymore, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're down to the three. They have shown that they're willing to throw the ball more today. I mean, they only their drop back rate was 54%. I haven't had a chance to look at like what it was in the neutral script, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, Friar Muth did look good. He had, you know, and he was looking good anyway. He had a 23% targets per route run coming into the into the game. And that's really solid when you think about all the target competition that he's got. On Zach Gentry out there, bro. I mean, he overcame yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, he overcame Zach Gentry, exactly. 27% target share today, 87% route participation. I think he's a very solid mid-range tight end one. I think you think of him similar to Dalton Schultz, right? I'm going to rank him slightly below Dalton Schultz, but I think he's right there in that range. Could easily give you a tight end one week, any week that he's out there. Um, we did see George Pickens get a 96% route participation today with Chase Claypool gone. So obviously it's really Deontay Johnson, Pickens, and Fryermuth. To your point, you still got to split it between three, but it's no longer four. Najee had one of his best weeks that I know this is sad. 8.9 points, <laughs> one of Najee's better weeks. But he 20 carries for 99, he, he did look good. better. He looked better. He kept the two-minute offense this week, 100% of that even though Jalen Warren still took a lot of the long down and distance at 77%. Interesting note about that usage, because if you do look at the overall numbers in the backfield, it was Najee with 59% snaps and Jalen Warren with 43%. Najee got banged up. He actually had this sick explosive run, but the problem was, you know, he had to uh, lower his shoulder to run over a damn fool in the open field on his way to picking up those 36 yards. And he missed a little bit of time going to the medical tent. So I'm not sure if, you know, this really was a change in usage or not, but they did ask Mike Tomlin about it after the game, Dwayne. And I feel like reporters have just been obsessed about this Jalen Warren thing for weeks now. And they keep asking Tomlin about it. So I don't want to put that much weight behind his answer. Cause like he got asked about it. So what's he going to say at a point, you know, they won the football game. He's going to say good things about Jalen Warren. That said, his quote, we've been talking about it. Jalen has been playing well and deserving of more reps. And what transpired today was reflected of that. So I don't know. Is Mike Tomlin, you know, going to say that Najee got banged up. So Jalen ended up playing 10% more snaps than he has in previous weeks. Probably not. So just something to monitor, but at a minimum, we did not see this post by week takeover that was being rumored a little bit out there. Unfortunately, Najee still someone that we're not exactly going to be saying is a must-start asset moving forward. But yeah, his highest man, five yards per carry Dwayne in one game. Previous high mark was 4.1. So the bar wasn't that high to get over, but we got over it. And you know what? Season high 71 yards uh, rushing after contact. Good job by Najee. 
I will say he did get to the one yard line before that inside handoff to Pickens. And he almost had a 21 yard touchdown, man. He ran a wheel, got the target, but just couldn't quite get it. Honestly, perfect throw from Kenny Pickett. If you want, I don't want to say it was a drop necessarily because close covers defender and he had to reach up for it, but was good to see Pickett make that throw. And yeah, Pickett did actually leave the field a little bit with an ankle injury. Same thing with Pat Fryermuth. Good thing both dudes are tough MFers and they did return to action. Now on the other side of things, all right, Andy Dalton, what the hell, man? We could look past all this shit when you were throwing the ball to Alvin Kamara and he stopped throwing the ball to Alvin Kamara, Dwayne. Just six receptions over the last two weeks. He had at least six in every single game in weeks five through eight. So it's just weird, man. It's not Taysom Hill. The Taysom Hill package is freaking shriveling up at this point. Just four rush attempts, <laughs> zero targets, two pass attempts over the last two weeks. I mean, the offense has looked worse over the past three or four weeks and they're not throwing the ball to Alvin Kamara. What the hell is Andy Dalton doing here, man? Give me Jameis. Don't. This is my thing, man. Jameis, like, come on. Jameis has never played a game that wasn't entertaining to watch for better and a lot of times for worse. Andy Dalton, when he's playing like this, man, it just sucks. It makes me depressed, Dwayne. Did you just say that Taysom Hill's package is shriveling up? It is. It's a fact. <laughs> okay. Must, okay. It's cold in New Orleans. I don't know. Um, yeah, so the thing with Camara, it is frustrating. Like the route participation and stuff still there. So, I mean, the role from that perspective hasn't changed 73%. It's elite. Um, but to your point, like he's just not getting targeted as much, which I don't get, I don't understand. My guess is that this will change and that we'll be fine with Camara. But, uh, and here's the thing, like we don't have Michael Thomas. You did get Jarvis Landry back today. Um, but you know, Landry, he does work more intermediate underneath kind of stuff, but he was still, he had an dot of 9.8. So it's not like he was just like running two and three yard routes. So there's still still room for Kamara, Jarvis Landry. And then you really saw Alave being the guy working down a little bit deeper down the field today, 13.8 average depth of target. Um, so I, I think the offense is still pretty consolidated in my opinion, right? It's going to be Kamara, and Alave, like those are your top two guys. And then you really just got Jarvis Landry. And then we get like this dash of Juwan Johnson every week. But he gave you 25% target share today. And he was out there 67% of the route. So still getting some rotation with Adam Troutman, 27%. You know, then you got Taysom Hill, um, you know, coming on the field a little bit. But typically not, you know, as a tight end. Sometimes he lines up in line. So it's it's still a consolidated offense. I don't see much change. We did have Mar Mar Marquez Callaway was a healthy scratch today. Um, Kevin White, dude, like Kevin White is now the number three receiver. Like this is like a, you know, like a flash from the past, like, you know, Kevin White, West Virginia, first round pick. Like, I'm just like, this guy's out here, man. 67% of the routes today. Traquan only had 3%. He didn't do anything with him. He scored zero fantasy points. He did have two targets, but he did not have a catch. If you guys are like me and like to wind down at the end of the long day, you know, glass of wine, some YouTube videos, some NCAA 14 on the other TV, Kevin White, West Virginia yes. highlights, man. I'm not saying they're Tavon good. I'm not even saying they're Noah Devine good, but they are good, ladies and mostly gentlemen. Final note here is just Chris Olave. I know it was a dud. This is only going to be the second time that he's finished outside the top 24 since week two. So he's fine. chill out. Yeah, almost a bigger game too, man. Like he went up and almost mossed a dude for a 30-yard game down the sideline, got knocked out the last second. And then he did catch a 25-yarder until he got his freaking head taken off and got a penalty for hitting a defenseless receiver. <laughs> Couldn't hold on, unfortunately. So no fans. That was a big hit he took. 
for sure. Before we move on to the late afternoon and night games, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our lovely sponsors. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Now we get a Manscaped ad, which is always terrifying when I haven't read it before, but here goes nothing. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in Below the Waist Grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and get yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins and save 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code PFFAR. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Guys, think your holiday spread is good. It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to becoming the family favorite. Save 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code PFFAR. That's right, 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use code PFFAR. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Of course, we got to give a shout out to our lovely friends over at Sleeper. While I am bummed that Nathan freaking Yankees going to beat me in the PFF League this week. It's a long season. Not that much longer, I guess. But I'm trying to keep a steady leadership front for my fantasy squad who's going out there and doing the best with the resources I have given them. But that aside, Dwayne, we do have a Washington-Philly game on Monday Night Football. I really hope you already have your lineups there, but just in case you don't, you need that Monday Night Streamer for you. I do think that you could be looking at Jahan Dotson, perhaps. Curtis Samuel probably on those rosters. Maybe just maybe Jahan Dotson got cut by a team that couldn't deal with having the dude on injured reserve for that long because he never was actually placed on injured reserve. All the rookie did, though, Dwayne, Four touchdowns in his first four games of the season. My goodness, the amount of times I drafted these Washington receivers in best ball drafts. Yeah, I might have checked the exposure a few times. And yeah, I've been terrified a few times. But damn it, Jahan Dotson did show us that he deserved to be that first round pick that a few people did roll their eyes about when it did initially happen. 16th pick off the board. So Jahan Dotson, fantastic Eagles secondary. I get it. But you're desperate Monday night streamer. Don't be afraid to go get a first round pick if he does happen to be out there. And if you're going to play fantasy football, do it over at Sleeper. Fantastic stuff always going on there. Colts took down the Raiders 25 to 20, covering as four and a half point dogs. The over cashed at 41. I thought the uh, the whole Jeff Saturday thing, a lot of people had really strong opinions about it. And, you know, for good reason, whatever. It's, it's life. Why not have a strong opinion about shit if you actually take the time to think it through? But, Man, Dwayne, you know, this was a game where if you actually watched what was freaking happening, I mean, the Raiders were driving down the field. They got to the Colts 16-yard line with 47 seconds left. I'm just wondering if Derek Carr, you know, Devontae Adams moss the dude and scores a touchdown to win. Is that? I think that would kind of be changing everyone's opinion on exactly what Jeff Saturday brought to the table here. You know, we got Roblosky talking about, oh, you know, they called you irresponsible, this and that, and you got yourself a win. And I don't know, man. Look, hey. A win is a win is a win. It's a results-based business, and they got the win. So I guess the new thing is we just got to watch NFL teams keep hiring all their old players. And, you know, Jeff Saturday's a winner, Dwayne. 
He's a winner and he willed his team to win. So, hey, all I care about is Jonathan Taylor having a legit every, every down roll. That's fantastic to see in his first game back from injury. 93% snaps, all the pass down work. No Deion Jackson. We know Naeem Hines isn't coming back, but I wouldn't be surprised if Deion's in there a little bit. That said, it was always Jonathan Taylor. We weren't putting the guy near the bench. The really good news, Dwayne, I wish Dan Campbell could have told us, as you brought up in a very funny tweet. Good job by you. Matt Ryan's back under center, which means these complimentary receivers are back. Let's go, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Paris Campbell, man, over the last three games with Matt Ryan starting, 97% route participation, 29 targets, Ian, in three games, 25% target share, 24 receptions, 203 yards, and three touchdowns for Mr. Ohio State. I know you love it. Paris Campbell, like, looking great these last three games it all dried up when ellinger came in like they didn't have the same chemistry and they were just not they were not throwing the ball enough and and this is a team that still only dropped back to pass 53 percent of their plays today so there were 28 passing attempts by matt ryan 30 dropbacks so for folks like you're wondering well how are those two things different well it can turn into a sack a scramble that means you drop back you were gonna throw but then there was another outcome besides you know passing you know the ball so I think the big thing today, you know, on your stuff with, with Saturday, like, look, the offense didn't change. You know, they're running the same exact offense. I don't know what he did. Like, give him credit. Don't give him credit. I really don't care. Like, Jonathan Taylor was healthy. That's my big takeaway from this game because I didn't know what to do with him, Ian, because what I was kind of reading and hearing is it's probably going to be something that's going to linger all year when a running back has this kind of injury. He's going to be like Saquon was, you know, last year, just never had the explosiveness. Nope. <laughs> and I get it. Look, it's not an exact science. So this isn't me calling any of you know the doctor community or anybody like that out. We needed to see it. And we got to see it today from Jonathan Taylor. So we're all in this together. We're all trying to figure this kind of stuff out. So I appreciate all that information is out there. But I kind of steered a little bit away from Taylor. I, I put him as a high-end RB2. I didn't give him the full, hey, you're back in the circle of trust, put you right back. Because I've done it too many times this year. I've just thrown him straight back into the RB1 conversation and then we just saw it today 22 carries 147 yards like in a touchdown i'm good that's the big story um as you mentioned you know matt ryan throwing enough and Pittman, all these other guys are viable he's uh so tomorrow jonathan taylor's gonna wake up with you know the circle of trust on his chest and you're gonna itch that a little bit closer to the circle Dwayne. not quite <laughs> all the way back in just yet but we are certainly getting there so great stuff all around especially about ohio state's finest paris campbell of course on the raiders side of things Really seemed like a breaking point. I mean, seeing Derek Carr break down in the press conference afterwards, yeah, not not looking good for this team yeah. right now. But we still have Devontae Adams going out there. Nine catches, 126 yards, and a touchdown. No Renfro, no Waller. Yeah, Devontae Adams is going to be a top five wide receiver the rest of the way. Who would have thunk it? That said, otherwise, Dwayne, I'm not so sure if we're getting much else in this offense other than Devontae and Josh Jacobs. Look, this offense looked Fairly lethal for a little stretch there. 32, 29, 38 points when they faced Denver, Kansas City, and Houston. Last three weeks, though, 0, 20, and 20. So as much as we can sit here and say, Mac Hollins, week high, unrealized air yards, 119. Second place, of course, Kyle Pitts, because of course he's got to be in second place. But Thursday night game, we don't need to reopen that wound right now. I don't think there's anything else here, Dwayne. It's Josh Jacobs, it's Devontae Adams, and Foster Moreau. Okay, he found a touchdown. He got banged up, and he came back in. Perfectly fine. Tight end, two in the Kate Otten before Cameron Brake got back kind of mold. But otherwise, man, I'm pretty good on the Raiders. 
We are good moving forward. Cardinals took down the Rams 27 to 17, covering as three and a half point dogs. The over did cash at a lowly 38 because both of the starting quarterbacks involved were obviously out. Kyler Murray out, Colt McCoy in, and Matthew Stafford out. AAF legend John Wolford in the picture. So on the Cardinals side of things, we did see Colt McCoy get banged up himself for a little bit, but he did return. We did not get too much of the Trace McSorley experience. And, you know, Dwayne, I don't think I messed up our games. If I do, I'll take, uh, you know, full responsibility. I was doubting our Lord and Savior, Rondale Moore, before this one, if he could keep it going with Colt McCoy. I don't know if it was a Sam Ellinger, you know, a couple of weeks ago where it was just like – had you gun shy? It was like 130 total yards. And that's, that's what I literally texted you that. I was like, I don't want McCoy to go out here and have like 150 total yards against Aaron Donald or freaking Jalen Ramsey and company. And he did not, man. I mean, just he fed the ball to his best players again and again and again. DeAndre Hopkins, 14 targets. Rondale Moore, 13 targets. Nobody else had more than three. So they did lose Zach Ertz early in this game, and it is going to be quite the injury. Got carted off. He's expecting to miss multiple weeks per Adam Schefter. So he had that going on. But, man, I'm not saying Hopkins and Rondale are getting this target total every week, but Hopkins looking more and more like that upside wide receiver one. I mean, he got a lot of that right in Jalen Ramsey's grill, man. He looked fantastic out there. And Rondale Moore continuing to not only get the volume, but I think as you brought up last week, making plays after the catch. And he even had a sick one-handed catch down the sideline. Rondale Moore, we've been cementing him as a top 30 option. We're getting a little bit closer, Dwayne, yep. to that top 24. And this could be the spot where you're like, oh, I had him in the top 24 last week already, Ian. I don't know what you were doing. <laughs> no, but... no. I had him as a high-end wide receiver. Three. There we go. But, but another example of why you don't give up on young talent. Early on in the season, when Greg Dortch was doing his thing, we were like, just go pick up Rondale Moore. Go get him because people started dumping him. People were like, no, man, Greg Dortch is going to be the guy. Like These teams pay attention to their draft capital, y'all. They do. And so Ron Elmore now getting his opportunities, now healthy. He's playing great, like you said. Uh, 12 targets, 9 receptions, 94 yards, 35% target share today, 47% uh, of the team's air yards. That was actually ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, you're feeling great about both of these. Trey McBride with Zach Ertz out, 91% of the snaps, 76% route participation. That surely would have been over 80% had Zach Ertz you know, left sooner. Now, we did not have all of the other tight ends that they might potentially use here active. So we'll have to wait. Like they just had Steven Anderson available today. So we could see a little more of a rotation with Trey McBride, but again, a young player with talent now probably going to be on the field. Like I want to be aggressive about a player like that. He only had 3% of the targets today, 1.5 points. So he's not going to cost a lot, you know, in your league, but if you're struggling at tight end, we could see Trey McBride in a little bit of a better role moving forward. So I think those are both big things. And then, you know, Ian, James Conner, man, James Conner, like was a freaking monster in utilization today. Do you want me to read it or you got something else you got to say first? Do we want to play the clip where we said the buy low on him last week? Or No, no, I guess you can we, read it first. That's okay. We also, we also don't <laughs> have a place clip, for that. Though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 96% of the snaps, 85% of the rushing attempts, 100%. Uh, do I need to say anything? If he had a 90%, 96%. Snap rate, you guys can imagine what all these other things are, but I'll just spoil they're 100s <laughs> short down a distance, long down a distance, two minute offense inside the 10. Doesn't matter. Eno Benjamin only had one percent of the snaps today. Keontae Ingram outdid him at seven percent. So this is 23.6, 
PPR points and the utilization 100% backs it up for James Conner. The Cardinals offense, yes, it's been a bit dysfunctional, but if you're going to get that kind of usage, it's just going to be really hard, Ian, to not at least put up RB2 finishes. I will say, just in regards to the Trey McBride uh, point, they did actually go ahead and release Max Williams like in early October. Yeah. I think he's back like on the practice squad. I but think he is too. I come on, man. If, but if you're cutting him at some point like that, you know, I just think that tells yeah. you that I'm, I'm with not you. overly concerned I'm with you. about McBride moving forward. And just again with McBride, we're not talking about just the random next man up. This dude was, you know, known as being the best receiving prospect coming out of this class. The things he did, I believe, Colorado State last year over a thousand yards. And if you want, go check out the PFF draft guide from Mike Renner. He talks about where he wins downfield. What's his role all around tight end. Only thing he could really improve on was just being a little bit more physical with those routes. So maybe not completely polished just yet, but to Dwayne's point, Hey, it's an offense where we have Hopkins. We have Rondale. It could easily be Trey McBride as that number three more weeks than not moving forward. So Still hopeful that Kyler uh, comes back and starts, you know, looking better and better because it was a little bit uh, concerning, Dwayne, that Colt McCoy-led offense probably had more <laughs> rhythm than we've seen in he quite did. some time. Uh, yeah, I mean, 236 and one. I mean, that's about where Kyler's been. But yeah, you would, you know, you want your, you want Kyler Murray to be more than that. <laughs> so I did just check. Max Williams is on the practice squad, so he'll probably get elevated. But to your point, like. They already moved him. You know, they cut him once. They put him back on the practice squad. It's not like somebody came and tried to get him. So I, you just kind of got to lean into Trey McBride. It's like it's like the Marlon Mack theory, you know. Like once you start seeing the guy popping up and down from the practice squad, right. you can kind of stop worrying about it a little bit. On the other side of the ball, again, John Wolford led in this one. And, yeah, on the season now, dead last, 4.7 yards per play, 30th in EPA per play. This offense is sick. And now we have the most uh, muddled addition of the running back system yet, it seems like. Daryl Henry. 57% snaps out there. Returning Kyron Williams, 27%. Also got Cam Akers, 17%. But here's the catch. You heard those snap splits. Henderson and Akers actually had the same amount of carries and targets out there. So we have Malcolm Brown out with a hamstring injury. Who knows? Maybe he'll come back and dominate this backfield in the future. And Kyron Williams, man, we really didn't even see him hardly until the game was wrapped up. So yes, as much as I'm sure people are going to be jerking off this dude's two or three <laughs> catches and complete garbage time, like we I, literally, Dwayne, I, I didn't check in the play-by-play, but I'm pretty sure every single one of Kyron Williams' touches like, came at the very end of this game. So Probably. I don't have it either, but 73% of the two-minute offense, they were probably in their two-minute offense at the end of the game. I know I checked at half, and he was nowhere to be found because I did the Where's Waldo tweet. Uh, but 20, 24% route participation, only 5% of the rushing attempts. But he did get 73% of the two-minute offense, uh, 75% of the plays inside the 10. Again, that could be just like based on the way the game worked out. Um, the main takeaway, man, like this is still a complete mess. But if I had to put a chip on any of them that I just wanted to leave on my roster, it's probably Kyron, just because we've already they've shown us they don't want to play they don't want to play Darrell Henderson and they don't want to play Cam Akers. So there's always a chance that Williams could just take over more of the work. And also they just need somebody to do something in the passing game because outside of cup and now we got cup hurt like they haven't had much so i'm with you people probably will get overly excited i don't think you can have kyron williams in your lineup but like i i think he is a guy that's worth having stashed especially if you're like in a deep league but don't get your hopes like overly high this has been a nasty rotation i appreciate mojo keeping us honest malcolm brown got cut Dwayne yesterday the dude got ruled out with a hamstring injury on Friday, and they yeah, said, you know cut. what, right. you yeah. know what, just get the hell out of here, Malcolm. We're done with you. You can go rehab somewhere else. Fair play. Now, 
sad, sad moment. Obviously, we do have a Cooper Cup injury to talk about. Injured his ankle, got ruled doubtful to return, did not return. The quote from Rams head coach Sean McVay, I just know it didn't look good. It didn't sound good. Rap sheet came and said more tests coming for Cooper Cup, but at first glance, sounds like he may miss some time, but not catastrophic. That's good. Twitter doctors basically saying it does look like a high ankle issue. Concerningly, Dr. Evan Porter said, best case, it's a high ankle sprain. Worst case, it could be a fracture. So, yeah, man, obviously gave us the uh, whopping negative one total yards before being forced out of action. Hope he gets better ASAP once he is. Guess what? He'll be back in the lineup. Before then, Dwayne, you riding the riding the Tyler Higby Express again, Allen Robinson, or are we just freaking done with, again, the just most done. easily the most disappointing offense of the year? What the hell? Absolutely. The most disappointing. You know, it's funny. There's all sorts of fantasy misses. Like we, we tend to hang on to the things that were right. But what's funny is like, you can look at the, you can look at another situation that was exactly the same and be like, Whoa, that was a miss. Like, you know, we've talked about the bad offenses that we wanted to avoid and how we were probably right on the Steelers, but wrong on the Seahawks, you know? So it's like, Oh, we can, you just avoid the bad offenses. Nope. Cause sometimes they're a good offense. Well, same thing. You think there's a good offense with the Rams? No, they suck. And they were an offense that we should have been avoiding outside of Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, sad thing for Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson, maybe he gets a little bit more. I mean, he has 17% target share today. Um, Tyler Higby, though, still having to block a lot. Oh, you know, he had 80% of the snaps, but was only in a route 59% of the time. Now, his targets per route run were a snappy 33%. So that is really solid. Um, so we'll have to see this may put Higby back on the map. Like I had moved him all the way to low end tight end too. like, like basically don't start him. period. Like find something else. I'll cut him, find something off the waiver wire. This probably at least moves him back into like the mid range, high end tight end two conversation, but man, I'm not excited. I'm not excited about anything on this team. I will say, man, the reason why I was with you with Higby is like, you, again, you look at the two big, like five game stretches he's had and they came in the worst editions of the McVay offense, but I don't think we're really exactly getting better at this point. So maybe it is going to be Tyler Higby, you know, nine catches, 70 scoreless yards as the Rams lose by 21 each and every week. Moving forward, hopefully not. Which if he does that at tight end, it's huge. Like it's that will massive. make that'll that'll make him a borderline high end tight end one. So, I mean, just because we don't have many people that do it. We'll roll with the punches with it. Adjust the ranks as always. Packers took down the Cowboys 31 to 28, uh, covering as three and a half point home dogs. Yeah, Mrs. Uh, Cindy Harditz was not happy watching this one with her hardworking son, Ian, nearby. Not paying enough attention as he should on Sundays. Overcashed at 44 and a half. So just quickly with the backfield, Aaron Jones, 69, very nice percentage of the snaps, 23 carries and three targets. Really, he continues to work well ahead of A.J. Dillon. And although it did swing... Uh, a little bit back to Dylan last week. A lot of that was Jones getting injured in the third quarter and just not being able to be out there for the final 15 minutes when he would have thought he could have been making his money in comeback mode in the first place. So Jonesy out there, 24 carries, 138 yards and a touchdown, and just continuing to look so damn good doing it, man. Tied for number one in the NFL in missed tackles fours per rush attempt with a guy by the name of Nick Chubb, fourth highest graded rusher on the season. 5.6 yards per carry. Screw your advanced analytics, Ian. That's really freaking good. So Aaron Jones with this stuff really pulling away from A.J. Dillon, we can start to get him back maybe in that top eight conversation. Again, one of those things, though, where you want to rank God. him. 
we do this every freaking week (laughs) i know and that's why i wasn't even gonna throw it to you Dwayne. i'm just saying you're starting them and now let me move on and well i will say yeah three out of the last four weeks right he's been the clear one last week even before the injury it was really a 50 50 like between the two but it seems like every time we finally get on board and we're like you can put a chip on aaron jones it's like it's the aj dylan game (laughs) that's it's look but i'm look i'll take three out of four 75% 75% over the last four weeks, we've been right on Aaron Jones. Uh, but yeah, let's move forward. We don't have to waste any more time. <laughs> the main event, Christian freaking Watson out there. Yeah, he had some drops to start the game. Yeah, he had a potential 42-yard touchdown where he just kind of stopped running. Lost Maybe it. he lost the ball in the light a little bit. Unfortunately, could only get one hand on the ball. But it's one of those things, Dwayne, where it was always like, you know, as a longtime Will Fuller stand back in the day, as you could say, it was. it's one of those hard times where, you recommend playing someone like Will Fuller. He like drops a touchdown. And you're like, well, you got to be pretty good to get open enough to drop the touchdown in the first place. You know, that's a little bit what we have with Watson. And we've seen that all season long where even though freaking coming into this game, only 10 catches, 88 yards through the first nine weeks of the year. If you watch these Packers game, you saw the dude with the ball in his hands, could skirt, could move. And the broadcast team told us throughout fastest guy on the Packers. And he was the fastest guy on the field out there today four catches, 107 yards, not one, not two, three touchdowns. Christian Watson, Dwayne, again, it's one of those things where you said it last week with Alan Lazard, like, okay, the guys we thought were competition basically got hurt. So who else is there to take it? Okay. He's got got the target share seemingly. Well, guess what? Christian Watson, not hurt. He's been spending a lot of time in concussion protocol last few weeks. He came out there and he looked like the freaking top 40 pick that he was drafted to be for the first time all season. Better late than never. Oh, hey, it's also week 10 of the guy's rookie season. Maybe we don't have the entire picture of what Christian Watson is as a prospect just yet. Thoughts on Watson moving forward and the fab, all of it? All of it. I love it, man. Um, Look, we don't get this opportunity this often. You got the number 34 overall pick in the draft. So all you scouts out there that say you, because you've flooded my timeline with Christian Watson, Watson sucks. Well, you know what? The Packers didn't think so. And in his first full game to prove anything, he played great. And then everybody's like, well, how come he hadn't done it yet? Because he hasn't been out there. He's only been out there before this week, 17% route participation on the season. But guess what? Still a 21% targets per route run. Guess who that's better than? Alan Lazard. It's better than anybody on the team. It was a small sample. He's another guy I wrote about in the newsletter on Saturday. said, look, go get him. Because the things that line up for him. We know Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback. Is he struggling this year? Yeah, but he hadn't had weapons. We know Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. The Packers, weak depth chart. Yes, Alan Lazard's been good, but he's not a target hog. We've talked about this multiple times, so that's wide open, right? I mean, if you look at the third thing with Watson, again, we already talked about the draft capital, just an explosive playmaker. He has a skill set, in that no one else on the team has. Like, if the Packers want big plays, like, it's going to have to come from Aaron Jones or it's going to have to come from Christian Watson. And so... We've also seen, you and I have talked about it, like how disappointed Aaron Rodgers has looked the last couple of times. And I know sometimes, look, this isn't an exact science with this kind of thing, but like you could tell Rodgers is like, damn it. Like when he went down last time, he's basically saying, get up, get up, get up, (laughs) damn it. Like I need you. And he's just, he's different than anything else they have. And again, back to what we talked about earlier with Traylon Burks, rookies come on late. Christian Watson, you need to push all of your chips in the middle. And look, like you said, we're going into week 11. What do you wait? If you've been the person saving your fab, what have you been saving your fab for other than, oh my God, a rookie just freaking blew up on a team that doesn't have a true number one, like with a hall of fame quarterback. Like if this isn't the scenario you've been waiting on, like, please explain to me 
why you've been saving all your fab. This is it. Like, get all your chips in the middle. Even as a lifelong Romeo Dobbs fan for months, I can say exactly everything <laughs> you just said, Dwayne, is right. And I think we do need to exactly go out there and get Christian Watson because – Especially, man, okay, if you're an 8 or 10 team league, I've seen some of those waiver wires, maybe try a little bit there, but 12 or 14. Even then, even even then, then. I'd be, like, like I would cut, I will cut Drake London right now for this guy, if I had to. Oof. You know, I mean, Drake London, like, look, he's been a good player, but we know what the Falcons offense is going to do. Yeah. Man. Give me Christian Watson right now in a season long, not in so, dynasty dynasty. Don't I'm not saying go cut Drake London for <laughs> or trade, you know, look, we like Drake London. So don't take this as a shot at him, but looking at the offense and the way things could work out like, dude, where are you ranking Christian Watson next week? Probably high end wide receiver four. if he has another game like this, you're probably immediately moving him into wide, low end wide receiver two. I mean, how do we rank Lazard ahead of him next week? Probably yeah. can't look, he's doing things that Lazard has never been. Able, look, I know it's one game but he did something Lazard's never done like blowing people away in coverage and getting a 40% target share. Like this, he's doing Lazard doesn't have this. This is we not in Lazard's wheelhouse. We don't see Jag scoring three touchdowns every other week. This isn't like something that oh, just crazy, happens man. all the time. And I see the, Oh, this is just chase Claypool scoring four touchdowns in one game too. all over again. Cause yeah, his other nine touchdowns and 16 other games just didn't even matter. Like the, the yeah. whole Claypool revisionist history thing is absolutely wild to me. And I think we're just seeing people once again, do what pisses me off the most, Dwayne. They take their takes, their mindset that was set in they're February stuck. to April, and they're stuck. So, you know, if that was the and case. And a lot of it is Romeo. People want Romeo Dobbs to still be a thing. And look, we like him. We like him too. But look, he had his chance. He never did this. Like, yeah. <laughs> to me, this is very straightforward. I, and again, like, I, I have no clue what you're saving your fab for if this isn't the profile you were waiting on. Like, this is the whole reason you you saved your fab all year because you were hoping something like this would happen. And now it's happened. So just go spend it. It's like, oh, he could be a boomer bust guy. Yeah, when he booms, he can win your freaking weeks. That's another thing in fantasy. Like, boomer bust, like, why do we only focus on the negative part of that phrase? Story for another day. But yes. Just real quick, Ian, like, we know the league pretty well. That's all right. And, like, I called Christian Watson out, Traylon Burks, before this week. But, like, and I was looking through. Part of reason why is I went through every team. I'm like, we're to the end. What players are even available that have a profile that if everything went well next week, you could say they're going to be Christian Watson outside of Traylon Burks. <sighs> Jahan Dotson, like is another one you mentioned earlier that's free, but he has a lot more target competition. The, there's not many of these. These players are not available. They don't have Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. I mean, that's exactly the big uh, differentiator there. Yeah, so. This is not Nick Akini Westbrook, guys. <laughs> hey, this is not hey. the same thing. This is his day, Dwayne. Westbrook Don't. Akini. I said it wrong anyway. Sorry, it is his day. And Akini I Westbrook. <laughs> that is anyway, great. We're getting right. late. On the Cowboys side of things, Tony Pollard, elite, elite, elite snap rate in this one, 86%, 22 carries and four targets. I don't know what Cowboys source, who was, I think it was a running back coach saying like they don't, they don't feel he should be out there longer than X amount of snaps where they said, screw that. And he rewarded them with 22 carries, 115 yards and a score chipped in 13 yards as a receiver. Tony Pollard now. Three career starts with Zeke out. He's had 407 total yards and six touchdowns in those games. So expect the Cowboys, even with a healthy Zeke, 
They're going to sit Zeke on the bench, just completely give Pollard this. No, they're freaking not. All right. We're going to do this again another week, Dwayne. Another great Pollard performance. And Zeke's going to go back out there and probably get 15 touches his first game back. Hopefully, Tony Pollard can keep being one of the most efficient running backs in the league. That's why he's been his entire career, and he'll make the most out of around 15 combined carries and targets. Yeah. No, Pollard, they've. The last game when Zeke was out, though, it was more of a uh, he was like at 50 percent of the snaps. They really gave it all to him today, you know, 87 percent. So, yeah, I mean, look, he's any week you don't have Zeke doesn't matter. You're going to rank Tony Pollard inside your top 12 somewhere in that range. To your point, I do agree. Zeke, once he's back, he's going to eat into what Pollard's work is. The only other note I have here on the Dallas Cowboys is really Dalton Schultz. Um, a guy that I know that, Ian, you correctly led folks towards the right prop bet to make. He hit 54 yards today. I believe like his over-under was 32 or 36. I can't remember, but I, I saw your tweet, and you were very correct. He's had a nice trend going, targets per route run over the last three games. He had been Over the last two, he had been over 30%. This week, he was at 26%, but he got back up into the 70% route participation range, so it does look like the bye week did him well. This is a rock-solid mid-range tight end one the rest of the way. Like, Dalton Schultz, like, I know we told folks not to draft him in the sixth round this year, but it wasn't because we didn't like him. It was because you could get Dallas Goddard in round eight, right? It's like, hey, don't, like, draft the quarterback in round six. But it wasn't because we didn't like Dalton Schultz. And I've even had people reach out, man, you were right on Schultz. He sucks. I'm like, no, no, like, you're misunderstanding. I didn't think Dalton Schultz would be this bad. He's been hurt. I just didn't want you to spend your sixth-round pick in fantasy on him. Still a good player, and he's proving that again. Like, he's playing really well right now, 23% target share overall today. I don't, man, Ian, I'm telling you, like, I think Schultz is, he's a top six tight end probably the rest of the way right now. If, as, as long as, you know, he stays healthy, he's looking really, really good. Dak pretty much is locking on to him or CD almost every play. Yeah. The, the conversation was like, we want to draft Jalen Hurts in round six, not Dalton Schultz. Right. We still had Dalton Schultz ranked at the same tight end spot. And that's where we have him now. So yes, over 31 and a half receiving yards, dig cash love. I think. The small edge I found in player props where it's not when you're just able to get to the news faster because that, you know, it helps if you're able to do that, but it is tough in the prop sphere because they're usually not even up until Friday if there is outstanding news anywhere. But with Dak under center this year, he's had 62, 49, 74, and then today he put together 54 receiving yards. The Cooper Rush games really drag him down, and he was playing so injured in those games that we weren't even getting a full game's allotments of snaps out there. So I'm with you, man. Top six tight end the rest of the way. And just good to see a blow up game from CD Lamb. Not that we ever doubted it, but 150 yards, two mm-hmm. tutties, 11 receptions. Even got a lot of that in Jair Alexander's grill. It looked like they were going out of their way to target Jair Alexander, Dwayne. I'm not saying he's a cornerback you need like to fear, but at some point I was just like, hey, man, a little aggressive, but maybe not, man. It did look like Jair got away with a little bit of a grab there at the end in overtime. For I sure. For sure he got yeah. away with a grab yeah. on that play. Yes. <laughs> By a little one, I mean like he pretty much tackled the guy out there. CD's got a family, but regardless, pace for the season. 100 catches, 1,333 yards, and a cool nine touchdowns. Got to love that. Only two sheeshes from this one. Noah Brown could have had a nice little 20-yard gain on a 12-man on the field penalty. Could not come down with the ball. And then Michael Gallup, man, double move. Had Rasul Douglas, you know, dead to rights. So what did the veteran cornerback do? He pretty much tackled Gallup and took the hold instead of the potential 70-yard house call. So great play by him. 
not if you had Gallup in fantasy. The good news is Gallup seemed to suffer this scary non-contact knee injury early in the game, came right back out, didn't look any worse for the wear. So still not an offense. You know, today I guess we did get up to 46 pass attempts, but unfortunately for Gallup, even without an Amari Cooper there, we're just seeing CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz continue to eat there. So tough to move Gallup too far up the old ranks. Guys, final matchup. Here we go. 49ers 22, Chargers 16. San Fran couldn't quite cover as seven-point favorites. Game total cashed the under at 45 and a half. So another week, another week I get to say, Dwayne, that Chris McCaffrey has gone 30 consecutive non-injured slash traded games with 100-plus yards and or a touchdown. The problem is he didn't even finish first in his own backfield in this game and at rushing yards. Now, are we going to sit here and curse Kyle Shanahan for giving Elijah Mitchell all these carries when he yes, was averaging? Yes, we should. No! <laughs> no! Yes, we should. The man was efficient as hell. He looked good out there. 4.9 yards per carry. McCaffrey had 2.7. Good for Mitchell. He's a good running back, and Shanahan can do whatever he wants to do out here. The issue comes with why did they trade these assets for yes. a player only to do that? So I get it from that point, Dwayne. The game plan part of it it's like it worked elijah mitchell's a good guy probably not doesn't make sense if you have a plan to be play, playing until february to give mccaffrey that 99 snap roll so you can hate on the front office move but elijah mitchell's good too that's all i'm saying yeah but it's a downgrade for mccaffrey like yeah. i mean mccaffrey now what you're hoping is that he is playing you know what we thought deandre swift and travis Etienne the role that they played to begin the season right Ouch. where you've got an early down grinder that but you get to come in behind them because you had 18 carries for Mitchell, 14 for McCaffrey today, right? So that means you know what are we hoping for? 45 percent of the rushing attempts and, and an offense that will run the ball a lot, and we're hoping that he gets all the passing down work. Like I mean, yeah, McCaffrey can still be good on that profile and a good offense, but you know if you drafted McCaffrey, you probably drafted number one or number two overall. And you're wanting him to be out there more. Like he still came through, you know, from a target perspective. He had six. That was tied for second on the team. Debo had six. And you had Brandon Ayuk. It was kind of his game today. He had seven targets. So a lot of mouths to feed. And we have Kyle Shanahan continuing to show us in that he wants to run the ball. You only had 28 passing attempts by Jimmy Garoppolo. You had 41 rushing attempts on the game. Let's take five of those away. They were Jimmy G. I'm sure none of those were designed. I don't have that data pulled up yet in front of me. But So 36 rushing attempts versus probably 33 dropbacks, something like that. 50-50? That's not good. No. That's not good. We needed an expanded passing game to support all this. Like One of these guys is going to be left out every week. So... Uh, man, I don't know. Like, they're really, really good players. Could be a really good NFL team. But I, this is a downgrades, in my opinion, across the board to all these guys. Because we were hoping for one of two things, right? Just we were hoping that the efficiency would be just so great that it could carry all of them. And it was okay today. But Jimmy G didn't even have a touchdown pass today, yeah. right? And Or we were hoping Kyle would look, you know, south. And he would see, you know, in a, a southeast, I guess, Kyle would need to look and see what his protege is doing, running play action, running all the same concepts he does without handing the damn ball off 41 times or 36 times and, and seeing like how great that they're playing in Miami. And we didn't get that. Like he's going to stick with his old school, you know, dad version of this offense, which is fine. They're probably going to win a lot of games, but it's, it's, it's bad for fantasy. When CMC got traded and the immediate talk was like, oh my gosh, he's still get targeted and all this. Again, I thought it was mostly just, 
and a, a conversation that wasn't even really worth having because like okay yeah. you want to rank him rb4 or rb8 you're starting him every single week and we're going to continue to do that but yeah elijah mitchell certainly way more involved than we've ever seen any running back be alongside mccaffrey since who was i mean was it what cj anderson jonathan stewart with those like yeah, 28 year yeah. probably probably jay stew yeah so really since rookie year that's the last time he's had to share really anything in this backfield so hey he got the you know freaking three four touchdowns wherever he had two weeks ago before the bye maybe those are the performances that we're not going to see quite as often but even then man he almost had two touchdowns in this one he got down to the one yard line and jimmy g had to go sneak it in himself there so Still playing 47 snaps to 24 for Elijah Mitchell, 23 routes to five for Elijah Mitchell. But especially, man, I mean, they were willing to give Mitchell a lot of that red zone work. I mean, especially yes. towards the end on the game's yep. final drive. Like, you really had to go. And all Debo Mitchell was out there, there for some of the deep early in the game. Debo was out there for some of the carries inside the five. And that's been new because Debo, this was actually his first game since week two that he had had more than 12 rushing yards. I mean, the Debo Samuel role just disappeared. People haven't talked about that in a minute. And he did come out here in this one, get more involved. But again, we don't really want carries for these guys if they're going to come in place of the targets because Debo Samuel, that whole Debo Samuel role, it only worked because he was the most efficient running back in all of freaking football last year when he got the ball. So it's not good when he's not getting the targets and he really wasn't getting them out here in this one. So found his how way does, to get how, six, how does in this offense, how does Jawan Jennings get hey. four targets for 40 yards? George Kittle has one for 21. Yeah. Debo weird. has two for 24. No, look, I get it. You're out there. It's a progression. You're going through your read and Jawan Jennings. This is not a knock on him. Like he's, you know, but still it's like just super annoying. Because you know it's a run-heavy offense, and now you got Ray Ray McLeod and Jawan Jennings. They're getting balls. Like when you're, it's just already such a mess anyway. It's just, it's very disheartening, honestly. Like this is going to be a good NFL team. Like 49ers offense is going to be hard to stop. But for fantasy again, like I, I don't know, man. I and then what do you do with Elijah Mitchell? Like I mean, how high can you rank him? Like I don't, I still don't think I'm going to call him a low-end RB two. Oh, like what? It, like a upside RB three? You're hoping it's his week? I, I don't know. Something like that. I like saying boomer bust because that's just, you know, if they, if, if <laughs> it is, bust, it is kind fine. of boomer bust. Yeah. You're looking for a big play and a touchdown from Elijah Mitchell. Here we go. Game script dependent RB3. Now we're talking, <laughs> yeah, Dwayne. Yeah. I got my ass. Now we're using right some there. characters. Now we did get the fourth straight game with at least 80 receiving yards out of Brandon Iowa. Could have, should have, would have been much bigger. He ran one of the best routes I've seen of the season and had a Sante Samuel and a blender out there. Unfortunately, forgot the most important part and dropped that potential eight-yard score in the end zone. Wasn't a perfect pass, but it hit him in the chest. Probably should have caught it. I had some funny tweet replies to the video where they were showing James Harden just completely putting someone on skates and then just, you know, bricks the three-pointer like off the Yes, that was, that on was the crazy. complete uh, wrong that. side of the uh, rim. So <laughs> funny stuff there. But again, by and large, a great game for Ayuk. And we'd never saw Shanahan come close to putting him back in that doghouse. He actually lost a fumble earlier. And I know it's not good to be listing all these bad things. But again, he still did have six catches for 84 yards. So remove the two really bad things, Dwayne. And we had another good game from Ayuk. But to your point, like, are we confident in him continuing this? Hell no. Nope. He could have three targets next week. Yep. Easily could flip back to Debo. So we need, we need teams to really push the 49ers <laughs> to, to not, to not just keep the game close to, but to have the 49ers constantly fearing that they can't let up because if they do, this other team could just destroy them. And the problem with that is the 49ers defense is getting healthier. Like it's probably the healthiest it's been in like five, six weeks now. 
getting a lot of players back. So, and it's a defense that we thought was going to be pretty good to start the year before all the injuries hit. So there's just a lot of, there's a lot of dynamics going on right now around this 49ers offense that make it, you know, there's a ton of upside for all these players, but it's almost like all of them. I'm not going to call Christian McCaffrey boom bust, but I definitely think Brandon, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, they're all boom bust. Now Elijah Mitchell, boom bust. Christian McCaffrey still going to have a solid enough role. Like he's going to be an RB one for us, but I won't be putting him in the top three anymore. There's too many players that I just feel better about. On the Charger side of things, Austin Eckler, bad game out here for him relatively, but you got to love that sweet, 12 sweet targets. PPR <laughs> scoring, seven catches, 39 yards out there. Hey, look, we knew this was going to be a brutal matchup. The 49ers defense, especially when they got a healthy Nick Bosa out there, I mean, they are a force to be reckoned with. And, man, you look at this, and, like, Justin Herbert, we got to remember playing through the rib injury. We always have these guys get injured and they play through it and we kind of give them the benefit of the doubt for a week. And then we forget about it because our attention spans are non-existent in the year 2022, but he's injured. He's thrown into a wide receiver room that consists of DeAndre Carter, Joshua Palmer, and Michael Bandy, who we've come to know over the last four or five weeks after having no idea who the guy was when he first gets out there. And, oh, hey, Donald Parham, our talented receiving tight end, backup one, he's on IR. And, oh, hey, Gerald Everett leaves the game early with a groin injury. So this is a wide receiver room that we were already kind of asking them to hopefully get like a field stretcher to complement Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. We didn't think Jalen Guyton was enough. Oh, yeah, Guyton's out. Keenan's out. Mike's out. So I don't want to sit here and like beat hard on Justin Herbert because man, Dwayne, especially that first half, he still made three or four throws that just oh. makes yeah. it's why everyone's so high. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not gonna sit like, yeah, I, I get it. He hasn't lived up to expectations this year, but I just He's been hurt too. Like he just, is just yeah. now getting healthy. I just described exactly why he hasn't been living up to those expectations. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, Josh Palmer came back to earth a little bit, still had a nice eight targets. He had a potential 29-yard score that would have needed a perfect pass, but Justin sailed it a little bit. It's just one of those things where when you have all these backups out there, you're going to get 16-point efforts against a really good 49ers defense. Yeah, and hopefully we get Mike Williams back soon. Hopefully the, the scar tissue or whatever breaks off you know, Keenan Allen, like, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's an offense that should get better in the coming weeks. He just needs his players, you know, his weapons to be healthy. Like, I mean, when Deandre Carter is your leading receiver, like nothing against Deandre Carter, he's an NFL player. Like, you know, he shouldn't be your number one wide out Josh Palmer. We like him, but like, you don't really want him as your number one wide out. He had seven targets today. So it's just, uh, there's a lot of factors going on with Herbert, but I have no concerns about his long-term future. I, honestly, I don't have many concerns about what he might look like in three weeks from now. Next week, I don't know. We're going to have to see how the receiver room looks. Trey McKinney, six targets. Meow. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> and with that, let's go wrap up another <laughs> edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Dwayne, under two hours. Look at us, man. Hitting Whoa. Our, catching our stride here in week 10. Great day to be great. Let the people know where you got over at MB Fantasy Life. And I've heard it's actually all free. How about that? Yes, it is free. It shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, you guys can check out fantasylife.com. Obviously, you know, the utilization stuff will be hitting, you know, over the next couple of days. But then we also do tiers and ranks that comes out on Thursday. Um, we have our rankings. We've got our free agent tool uh, with fab recommendations. Man, there's too much stuff. We've got a prop tool. We've got, you know, inactive. Like we have, I can't believe how quickly like this company like builds stuff. Like it's crazy. Like Elliot will come to me and be like, hey, what do you think about this? And like, you know, a week later, he'll be like, hey, it's going up on the side. I'm like, what? Like, so it's awesome. So yeah, you guys go check it out. Fantasylife.com. 
And as always, we got you covered plenty on PFF.com and the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'll be back on Tuesday with my guy, Nathan Yankee, going over an eventful Tuesday waiver wire. More good things to be said about Christian Watson, I'm sure. Game previews with Kevin Cole on Wednesday, releasing these on Wednesday and Thursday now. I'm told that's going to help the viewership. You never know what's going on behind the scenes with that. Of course, injuries on Friday with my guy, Nick, who called the Darius Slayton game. I, You know, Dwayne, I've had Nick, I've I've been learning, uh, you know, and Nick's a great guy. I've known him on Twitter over the years. But yep. just I just first started podcasting him with uh, this year, and two weeks ago we called Jeff Wilson. Last week he had Darius Slayton, and like I was nervous like on the show to even like let him like recommend those players, and he's just nailing it. So I'm like, fuck yeah, man! And he, I got just Love start. It. Yeah, Nick's start, awesome. Nick's start quitting. Awesome. Start quitting my own research and just start listening to what Nick says <laughs> if he uh, if he keeps this going on. So again, teamwork. You know that Ian. Teamwork makes the dream work, man. Makes the dream work. You're damn right, Dwayne. That's a good point to leave it on. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks to those for tuning to PF. The fantasy football podcast and until next time take care everybody